Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know we've talked about this and having a conversation and we talked about our fluid schedules and how challenging it is kind of to make these kind of time for these things. So I really do appreciate you making the time. Yeah, I stoked we uh, stoked the stars align and we're here to chat. It's been, uh, I don't know, we, we talk a lot over text and social media and stuff, and then I got to catch you in Temecula quick. And so it was sick to jump on again and catch up on things. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really cool because I've, what I've been trying to do um, personally with this podcast is um, add a, sl- a little bit of diversity to the way that things are approached and taking the things that I love and I'm interested in and then bringing them into here. And, and you're one of these people that I've kind of came across from my love of cycling and then realizing that you're also incredibly talented at rally sport, which we'll get into as well. And it's, it's really cool. I'll, on top of that, we can talk a little bit about like how you built up your own image and how I can tell how thoughtful you are about how you approach things. And, um, but it's really good. I think for people that are normally attending the, this episode or these podcasts, they're looking for art focused centric things. And it's good that we're adding these other kind of outside things, because I really do believe that what you do is an art form through and through. And, your art is just a different medium. But um, for those that aren't aware of who you are, how do you explain to like people like who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah, I mean, I usually would just say I'm like an athlete, you know, very generically, uh, you know, mountain bike athlete, motorsports athlete. Um, there's obviously like more depth levels of what I really do, like uh, obviously incorporating some of the production side of things into to my work whether bike or motorsport um you know i like to to be a part of the creative process and those things and i and i kind of produce majority of my my content and projects and things we put out to the world so that's that you know it's another passion of mine and you know hobbies like photography and things that kind of align with that um and then motorsport was always just a hobby other than mountain biking um which then ended up growing into more than just uh, yeah, more than just a hobby, but racing for Subaru Motorsports um, as a factory driver, and then you know doing some automotive commercial work and you know kind of like fun side stuff that I never thought I'd get to do. Um, but mainly, mountain biking's been my day to day, you know, career for for close to twenty years now. So um yeah i'd say i'm pretty much just a i'm just a mountain biker (laughs) (laughs) i love how humble you are too if you're listening to this i would say maybe take a moment we'll put links in the show notes so you can see his amazing talent and play it doesn't make a lot of sense and when somebody's so brilliant at something they make it look easy that's how i really define when i think of somebody's mastery when i like when i see it and i'm like how does how do they make something so complicated look so easy? And that's really a, you mentioned 20 years that you put your 20,000 hours in, you know, potentially, you know, which is yeah. really awesome. <laughs> and you've turned something that would normally be in the context of the world and the average consumer would be like, quote unquote, a hobby, but you've turned it into this, you've amassed this insane, um, I don't even know how to ex- explain it. Like the, the way that you've approached it, the art form that you're doing with your writing. And I think, I think it's just like take on a life of its own. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I'm very much a, like a purist, 
Like I like to do things a specific, and it's more like how I feel like things should be put out to the world or people like, obviously like I can pick things apart because I, I do it all day and I'm like, I'm so picky and I, and I see the little details and I'm like, oh, I don't like that. I want to, I want to improve that. I want to improve that. And it's, so it's, for me, it's being able to, you know, get to like the end of a project or, or, or a certain type of riding where I'm really happy with what I've done and then being able to, you know, whatever the final product is, whether it's someone watching me at an event or it's a, it's a video project or whatever, it's like giving people like that, the best project I possibly can. And like just well thought out without cutting corners or doing something that feels like not organic or like core to mountain biking. Like I, I, and I, I think some of that has actually come across and that's probably what you're talking about is, you know, I'm really happy to hear that too, that, you know, maybe that's the part that seems like it really catches people's attention because it's a little different or maybe it's more methodical or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's really just like the purest in me and like seeking out the best out of everything and, and never quite being totally pleased with, with every piece of work. Mm. Yeah. Seeking the best. I can feel that for sure. I feel like when I see the things that you put out, it, it's distilled. Does that make sense? That's probably the word I would say. Like you've distilled this summation of 20 years of this experience's passion and you put it into these seconds of footage for the rest of us to consume and to be inspired by. Having tried mountain bike, having ridden bikes my whole life, still riding bikes, like there's a thing that happens to you in your mind and your body when you become one with a bike. There's a, it's a spiritual thing. I, it's hard to really put to words what no, it absolutely. is. I think, you know, it, obviously, you know, yeah. it. <laughs> I know it, <laughs> but I've never, I, I've never gone beyond it just being like a love, a passion and a hobby. And I actually kind of like that it stays there for me because I have a, an obsessive personality and I, as you know, <laughs> and we, as we talked about my current obsession, but I love that you're able to distill. And when I see the things that you create, I feel like they're so distilled. And this is kind of an example of the first time I encountered your work was I was just looking for inspiration. I was mountain biking a lot. And then I found out who you were. And I think a friend of mine might have sent me your work. And I think it was, I can't remember the name of the video, but there was no music and it was just the sound of the bike and the freewheel spinning. And, um, I was like, this is the best. <laughs> Finally, somebody really understands what it sounds like when you're really, really, truly riding. And if you're really good and smooth at riding it, you just hear the sound of the wind and the tires and the freewheel and everything else is just the flow state. Um, and I love that. And I, you mentioned there's these key words that you said, the best, not cutting corners, being happy, purity, organic, and seeking the best, basically. And I love that. Those are... Um, I'm not, I'm not sure if these are things that you meditate on, but I feel that in the work. I feel like even if you did a bunch of different takes of one move or one trick, I feel like you capture it and go, this is really the, probably the best version of that trick that I can acquire at this moment. Is that kind of exactly. It. Yeah. Yeah. Like never, you know, settling on something that isn't, uh, up to par, you know, mm -hmm. obviously like we get onto a, a timeline with these projects or whatever we're doing. Like you, you only have a short window. Like you're trying to 
do it with the light uh, at, at the optimal time and and obviously I want to get the best take I can get, but you only get so many takes and sometimes, yeah, but, but it's not, not settling, you know, sometimes we go back to make sure that it, it's just right. And, uh, yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, I know how it should feel and it should sound and it should look because I've done it so many times preparing for those moments. So like when I get there and it's like, it doesn't all feel right. Then I'm like, we need to do it again or again, or maybe this angle isn't showing it how it should um, or the light's just not right. It's like, we need to come back and do this when it like, it looks the best it can look. I love that. It's really crazy to have somebody that like yourself, that's multifaceted um, uh, by you being the talent and you know, the person in front of the camera doing the thing that's spectacular, but at the same time, knowing the mechanism in which acquires the best result that's a real hard gap to fill in, in my mind. You're a producer and then you're a director. And then, I mean, I know, I don't know if you'd self-appoint these things, but if you're telling me that you're waiting for instances of light to capture it perfectly, that's really, that's like seeing it and that's cinematography and photography and then capitalizing on the moment, that's production. And then being able to execute, which is the talent version of that, which is being the thing in front of the camera while we're looking. You know, <laughs> that's sure. really interesting. You so so for people that maybe don't understand the idiosyncrasies of this thing, let's maybe talk about a situation where you're building out a concept of a trick. Could you walk us through that? Like going to land, seeing it naturally and then building tricks into it. How do you approach that? Totally. I mean, even to take like a step just back real quick, like I would say I'm, I'm very lucky to have like really skilled friends and a group of talented filmmakers and photographers and, and editors and things like that. So I would say, like you said, okay, like I produce, I, I direct a bit, you know, and I'm, but it's so collaborative because yeah. even on, on their end, like the, from the cinematography, sorry, cinematography side, I lean on those dudes to be like, what trick's going to look cool here? You know, like, is my style good? Or like, do you need me to do it? You know, it's like, Right. Everyone collaborates and even like outside of their skill set because we are all passionate about it. And we all understand it. Um, and then, yeah, like so, so diving into trying to capture a certain moment, a certain trick, obviously from my end early on, like I, it, ideally I, I have a set plan when we, we come to like production. Um, we might, you know, I might, be practicing at home and, and I'll, I'll set up a feature at home that I could practice a certain trick. And then I kind of get it dialed or close enough to where I feel confident that I could do it somewhere else. And then we might show up on, on set, we'll build set track and I'll have these ideas for the features that I want to film. So we'll build it, try to make it look and ride how it's supposed to for, for the ideas I have in my head. And then when it comes to actually shooting it, you know, we'll, you know, pick the appropriate time and, and, you know, everyone, everyone will collaborate on angles, make sure this is going to show it the best. And we just kind of, we go for it from there, like try and get that moment. Um, and it's just one foot in front of the other. Cause it's this, you know, that's, you know, one moment out of 20, 30 moments we need to create, uh, you know, even a short web piece. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that. And yeah, definitely to te I wasn't trying to say that you do everything all at once and 
And I do love like, and I got a chance to meet your friends who are your, also your collaborators when you guys went, we had breakfast that day and it's so lovely to see that warmth in the collaborative experience because it's not always there. But if you have, um, like a brotherhood of sorts where you can just lean on one another for taste and, um, for objectivity because filmmaking is a battle of objectivity a lot of the times and you get so saturated in the moment of doing something and it's so easy to get lost in your own self and your own ego. So it's so good to have people that have taste uh, amongst you so that you can lean on them when you're not having the capacity. I I just, it's really hard for me to fathom. And I, I think it comes down to just the fact that you have a sheer will. You kind of broke it down in an executable fashion, which is, you plan things, which is you get the idea in your head and then you execute it at home where you can privately fail and succeed and test and trial and not hurt yourself because injury is a big proponent of this. And then you, so that's part of prepping and then you go out and execute. But when you execute, you collaborate and then you just do it until it kind of works right. But even when you guys are here, which was so ironic that out of nowhere you were like nearby. And so even when you guys were here, we had that crazy snow and rainstorm and you guys were having to kind of work your latest piece together through that. And, you know, you can plan prep and everything, but mother nature and things that are bigger than us constantly are like, nah, I'm going to put you over here. I'm going to do that. And how do you deal with that on the moment of execution and dealing with those kind of obstructions, I guess? Yeah, I mean, it kind of just comes with the territory as well, like being an athlete or, or, you know, shooting in a, in a scenario that's not controlled, you know, obviously outdoors, um, you're like, you try to be 100% planned, but you know, you can't like, it's always kind of this, like, you're sort of like 70 80% plan. And then you're always that other little bit, you're open to like variable change, where you're like, you might have to think on the fly, you might have to change up like that image in your head of like how you picture things happening. Um, so I think that I like just like you said, with that shoot, and we had all this crazy snow in Southern California, which we would have never, <laughs> would have never would have imagined. That? Exactly. Um, At the exact time that you're trying to do what you're tra- because <laughs> yeah. you're from Canada, so you're like you're used to that part of it. But then down, yeah, you're like, I'm going to go as far away as I can. <laughs> That's it. I'm like chasing the sun, and all suddenly I'm like it's snowier here than at home. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's so wild, but also makes for like yeah. you know those cool stories and moments. Like again, like yeah. these people are my friends, and we make the best of everything, even though like it's not perfect. It's not going to plan. Yeah. At the end of the day, like there was some moments that came of it that were really special that we wouldn't have captured if it was hot, sunny California. So, mm-hmm. okay, you know, we look at the bright side and, and, uh, mm. it, it worked out. So we're all really stoked on, on what happened, but yeah, definitely there's, there's those moments where we're just like, yeah, we're like today, nothing's going to happen. And, and we need to kind of like take the day to brainstorm on like how we can still achieve what we need to do in our mm-hmm. timeline uh, moving forward and, you know, again, still collaborating even when things aren't going the best way possible, but yeah, it's just, it's kind of never getting caught up on like that. Uh, Like things aren't going to happen perfectly in this, in this space, in this world, like, and, and just knowing that, okay, well, time to shift gears and, and we'll, Mm -hmm. we'll do this instead. And we can always come back to that or however, however we need to make this like end goal still flourish. Nice. I like that. That's really, I mean, it makes sense because you mentioned perfection and 
these words, these kind of catchphrases that we use and point as artists or people just to something basically stating that something's never done. You know, I always say that, well, I believe that art is never done. It's just simply do. And there's always room for improvement in some capacity. Um, and the, and our best work I think is always tomorrow, you know, um, would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these times, like even just daily writing, but leaving, leaving a contest or leaving a project, I'm always like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely look at the highlights of like, oh, I'm really proud of like this moment and that moment and, mm-hmm. and whatever. But there's always the like, mm-hmm. I wish I did that. Or like, I wish I got that a bit better. Or, you know, maybe next time we could capture it like this. And, but those are the, those are those little bits of like, you know, flame and spark that, that ignite the next idea. That's right. You know, yeah. where you're like, okay, well, next time I'm going to like, improve on this or like maybe i just had this whole other idea that we didn't get to do over here but now it's an entire project that i have in my head because of this last project so yeah it's uh you know it's it's definitely never never done you know i always always look forward to think look forward at like improving and i I have a hard time i definitely i'm critical of myself so i have a hard time looking at the things i've done and being completely satisfied Mm. yeah that's cool i mean the the hunger for perfection is never filled, you know, and that's what makes it fun, as you said. And it's cool that you can see that, too, is that your desire to advance and grow and be curious of things is really where the next one spawns, you know, because if you were yeah. complacent and just like, yeah, I nailed that trick. I'm the best and <laughs> that we're done. Then you would just kind of stagnate. Right. And then yeah. stagnation. Yeah, exactly. The challenge is probably what makes it the, most interesting. The challenge is what makes it interesting. Yeah. It's like yeah. you always have something to chase. It's never over. Yeah. And, and we should not pass over the idea that what you do is very dangerous too. <laughs> and you could get violently hurt if you're not careful in certain things, especially some of these bigger like gaps that you do at these bigger competi- competitions. Like I freak out if I was your mom. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's crazy. But I don't, it's really, um, it's hard to tell. Like this is something that I think, is a failure of the medium and not, not to critique it, but the failure of the medium is when you're actually doing it or when you're seeing it or you're interacting with it or it's happening in real time, what you do makes no sense logically oftentimes because you can't grasp scale and you can't grasp the nature of scale no matter what. And I think GoPro as a company has done a wonderful job to put us in the place of the athlete, but it's still so far removed have you thought about this? Like even with all the cameras and coverage and, and doing it in an artistic way, do you feel like it's even close to kind of touching what it is to do what you do? It's, it's so tough. Cause sometimes like I would say 10% of the time you get a shot where you're like, this looks way gnarlier than what it really was. But a lot <laughs> yeah. of the time you're always like, it's like, yeah, it kind of shows it. You know, we, we do our best to show it as best as possible, but there's, mm-hmm. There's so many little like uh, minute details that go into it. Like even like a lot of people ask me about, you know, spectating at Rampage. Obviously Rampage is, I feel like a pretty commonly known event. Could you explain that to those that don't know what Rampage is? Yeah. So Rampage is like a big mountain freestyle event where we ride from like the top of a, a, you know, very tall mesa in uh, southern Utah near Zion Park, like big red mountains, lots of cliffs. 
and like really narrow ridges and it's, it's obviously very exposed. So they do a big mountain bike event there and it's, it's definitely one of those events. It's like, a, it's a, it's a spectacle cause it's crazy looking no matter where Insane. you stand. And, and even on video, it looks crazy, but a lot of the time, even the broadcast doesn't really show how gnarly it is or like the scale of things. It's, it's, it's hard to totally understand it. So I have people ask me like, Oh, like, should I go spectate rampage? And a lot of times I'm just like, no, you should, you should watch the broadcast and then fly there like the next week or week, the weeks after when no one's there where you, you're actually allowed to go walk up the mountain where we've built these trails and, and, and features and then really understand because there's, there's so many little, there's so many little details on like our path down the mountain where you don't see it on the broadcast, but there might be like a cliff that's like, you know, you've got to get around it before going off this big drop or like things are turning in the air and, and like you could hit this, you could hit this wall or you're, you know, if you missed the landing on the left, like you're just going off a cliff and there's so many little details that you'll never see on the broadcast. And I think without actually walking it, you'll never understand the scale. And I feel like that is similar with a lot of the production stuff we do. Although with production, versus like a broadcast we can start to move around a bit more and get better angles of singular features instead of trying to show the whole run in one kind of detail yeah um but it's still it's still hard sometimes because again you don't see like those little details like oh there's kind of like a sketchy rock in the landing or there's a tree in the way and but you would really never notice in video a lot of the time because you kind of need that pov view plus you need like the ground angles and, and we're not using yeah. absolutely everything to show uh, just one, one trick or something like that. Ground angle is one of those things that, so I would, this is what I was doing when I started riding mountain bike. I was always looking at GoPro footage of other riders in my area and looking at the trails and I was like, Oh, that looks pretty easy. And then I would go there and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm basically riding my brake the whole time. And I'm having to like really chug through this really gnarly super vert feeling, you know, and, and it's one thing to look at it on a GoPro, but it doesn't really, you don't realize that your body at this angle is different from this, you know, and these yeah. little nuances. And for you, you're like launching yourself and like projecting yourself out into like air. <laughs> and so, and that's a whole nother like system that you're engaging, but I'm just talking about like just the nuances of what you said. And obviously being a newbie writer, still loving it and got decently good at it. But at the same time, there's so many levels to it. But the thing I realized quickly, and this is something that I took in when I started doing it and watching your videos, I was like, it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because what you're doing doesn't make sense, even to somebody that understands the nuances of it. And that's, I guess, potentially what makes it so magical, you know? And, but I think that's when I watched it though, I'm still like, this isn't even coming close to, to explaining and expressing just how insane it is. And it's real shame too, because I'm sure a lot of people watch this stuff so small on their phones as well, yeah. which is another disservice as well. It would be really cool. Maybe there's a way to do it. And I don't know if I'm sure somebody's done this or got somewhat close to it, but like had like a 360 HDI live real time of the writer doing these things. But still then I still don't think it's even close because then you're missing the synergy of bike and body and mind and matter and weight and inertia and all of those things. It's, it's fascinating stuff too, to me. I'm just, 
it's it's like perplexing yeah, <laughs> it's literally totally. perplexing you yeah. just you need it to be like just massive to really take it in right because you have yeah. like a gopro where you're like you get the perspective but then the the angle so wide where you start to lose the sense of like the tire against the terrain you know like yeah. it's like it's almost too wide to really take everything in although you're like in the bike which is really cool and then you get on the ground and you're like you're right there with the rider then you can start to see like you know the the details in the terrain like what what you're kind of like the rider's up against but yeah it's uh it's so hard to it's so hard to capture that stuff perfectly through video even though you can do something so beautifully with it like yeah. where like it can explain things that you can't you know that you wouldn't experience on a bike either so that's that's like kind of the other part i really like about it is like mm. there's with filmmaking there's things that i like just me riding alone i can't create you know but you can create almost this, this whole nother world and culture around mountain biking with with you know editing and and how you capture it so mm -hmm. yeah it's a it's pretty cool that's a cool way of looking at it too it's like it, may, it might not be able to capture like the raw nuance of the of what it is to be you but there's a way to use the power of cinema editing timing music score all of these things whatever it might be to create something completely different because that allows yeah. you to do multiple takes and then pick the best one and the best moment of a thing and be able to zoom in on something and like capture that essence and stuff so but yeah if, if it's it's really um yeah, it's hard to really fathom and put to your yeah. mind to these it's in, things. It's invoking those emotions of people that watch it. Obviously, like a lot of the stuff I do is mainly tailored to people that mountain bike or core audience. Um, obviously, we want people in the mainstream to watch it and, and love it and, and enjoy it or maybe get interested in mountain biking because of it. But mm -hmm. it is like for, for me, when I look at a project, I'm like, I have a lot of box. I like boxes I like to tick. And, you know, there's obviously like the areas where you want it to bring up some emotion, you want people to like what they hear. Um, and then you want the the tricks where people like are trying to wrap their head around it. Mm -hmm. Like they maybe it doesn't make sense to them. And it, it's 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 like, you know, the wow tricks. But then even the parts that maybe the writing is more simple, but it has like a certain style or, you know, it just it feels like cool and it feels like you, you you understand the flow and like the finesse of it whereas like you kind of feel like if i can check all those boxes then you've kind of created like a, a well-rounded piece that's mm -hmm. you know worth putting out to to the world yeah it's 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 a it's a it's a high if you're a filmmaker it's it's i think it's one of the highest parts of the responsibility in my mind is to respect your audience number one and then command their respect by showing them something worth them sitting through you know yeah. and that's super tough to do uh, have you watched um the documentary until the wheels fall off about tony Hawk? yeah yeah what do you think of that i i thought it was pretty rad yeah i was mm -hmm. i was stoked on it yeah I, I felt like um i think sam he's a he does a podcast as well um armchair i can't remember his name but i think it's sam but anyways he's a he's the filmmaker of that the document and i i felt it was the things I took away from it is I didn't realize how deep that Tony's life went. I knew it did because I grew up in that same area. My brother used to skate with him and I, that's, I kind of remember those moments from my childhood. And, um, I knew that he had a hard time, 
because he was so different. But I didn't realize his dad was so involved in all these things. But anyways, the thing that I really appreciated about that documentary about capturing that athlete, Tony Hawk, who's quite a brilliant, is his possession. He was so possessed, you know. <laughs> and his pos- yeah, to this day, he's like... And I'm just, I, I love it, but I also like, I think that it was a beautiful way of showing like how damaging it can be to somebody to be yeah. so um, possessed by something, you know, um, and the lack of balance that that possession can create in one life. And I'm not trying to judge him in any way because I, he's an absolute God to what he's done, but it's simply because I think his possession is, I felt like it was really interesting to see that side of the sport and to see these guys who have been doing it since they were young boys and now being older men still possessed is really interesting. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, and it's, it's not just sport, like anything, if you do it that long, like there has to be some level of, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, possessed, but like there, there is something like not perfect about, you know, like you have to like mm-hmm. be able to, dig deep to, to to continue to bring out that kind of stuff as an athlete or an artist and over you know however long he's been doing it now like 40 years or something it's, it's, <laughs> it's crazy, crazy. You, know? but you have those you have you have to go through some dark moments to kind of come back out into the light and and uh but there's there's obviously a really strong passion with that that keeps him coming back um and and people alike so it's it's really inspiring. But then, yeah, like for me, I always wonder like where the drive is for, because I, I don't think it's the same for everyone in those scenarios. No. I think it always comes from a, a, maybe it comes from a childhood space or, or an addictive personality, or maybe um, they just, yeah, they thought it was so cool that they just never let go of it kind of thing. But I, I always find That's it so interesting and in like where, yeah, like where are, like individual people in those spaces getting their passion their drive because i feel like all of us can kind of pull from that a little bit too you know that they've been able to continue to push through uh you know the hardships of of their careers and passions Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point there's another documentary about an athlete that's kind of in that same realm in a different way is michael jordan's documentary yeah super last dance i think it's called yeah yeah, how would you think of that one? I I thought it was great, and I you know I I liked how they didn't really like kind of what I'm saying is like there was darker times and <laughs> and like the darker parts of the personality that that make him the athlete that he is, like how he pushed the team, how he you know maybe wasn't the most liked at all times, but it helped get the most out of everyone around him and help him accomplish his goals and become this icon that, you know, that he is. So I think that part, I like that they didn't cut that part out and just make him look like a hero the whole time, you know, cause you're like, yeah, those are kind of the parts that, you know, they're really important. Yeah. They're really important. And it's, and it's like kind of funny cause it's like, they always say, don't meet your heroes. And it's like, it's kind of like that. That's the reason because like, it does take more than just being this perfect person to, to reach those heights, you know, like there's going to be times where you don't like things is, yeah. You're like, you're crazy about things and maybe you're not stoked on like how you had to accomplish it. Or like you you learn as a human and you grow and you're like, okay, like, I don't want to do that next time. Like, that's not me or, I feel like there's just those things that bring you back down to earth and make those people more 
yeah, human and not just these like, yeah, fictional characters, superheroes. Yeah, it's a dangerous place for an athlete or anybody in the public space to become more than just a human because then you're subjective to what people think of you and that's not really who you are. And then you become something larger than yourself. There's a give and take, I think, totally. with that. And and I think it's a real dangerous, slippery slope and your ego can take way with it. But I agree. I love that was probably the thing I garnished and take away most. And I had more respect for him that he was an asshole and he was hard on his team. <laughs> I love that because it's yeah. like not everything is flowers. And I think it's good for people to see, especially more so now than ever is for people to see that great things come from somebody pushing beyond themselves and whatever they do and how they do it. Everybody had a choice to play with him. They could have said I'm out, but they chose to. And, and it's not his fault that they chose to play with him. So I think it's all those things. And if it's, if, if this whole game, this whole thing is about winning, well, you see it in his eyes. He's not a happy person still to this day. I don't care who you say. Like he yeah, can have, yeah, yeah. and he's got all the wealth. Um, but it, uh, but he he probably feels lonely. I would imagine, and that's okay because he is because he's incredible at something. When you get really good at something and you're starting to amass a certain range of prestige or whatever it might be, do you feel more lonely or do you feel connected? And what's the feeling as you get bigger in the ranks of what you're doing? I bring these guys up because I see the same brilliance in what you do with your art as I see when I see Tony do that or when I see Jordan play. Like I I see it in the way that you interact with the way you're on a bike. That's why I'm bringing these up. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I, personally, I don't, like, I don't, like I would never compare myself to those people. Yeah, that's why I'm doing but, it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I know you don't said it, that and would think imply that. Yeah, but there's nuances of like, yeah, like I can I can relate. You know, when I watch those those documentaries and there's, yeah. it's it really kind of helps me as an athlete because there's like oh, they went through it too. Mm-hmm. You know, because I feel like they've already gone through those steps because they're so far ahead of me in, in their careers. Whereas like, I feel like I'm maybe only, you know, halfway through and, and experiencing, still experiencing these things for the first time, but there's definitely, it's, yeah, it's just like a, it feels like a roller coaster. You know, you can never like, there's things you can be really proud of and then things that you get really down on yourself for. And mm-hmm. there's uh yeah, let's say I feel like I had a really successful year. You know, I can, I can, sometimes I feel content for a while it's a very short time usually and then there's other times where like it might have been successful in other people's eyes but for me i'm still like i feel like i've missed things and then and then i get really down on myself and i'm like i start to like hyper focus on like how do i fix this you know and i'm like Mm -hmm. until i fix that whatever that is that missing link that i I didn't accomplish in in my mind i'm like you know you feel you just kind of just don't feel you feel melancholy you're kind of like you're just not you're not yourself you're just you're so fixated on this thing and then there's also the aspect of like when you do kind of reach like a high level and you're you're kind of at the top you feel more fragile as well because it's so easy to be taken down because you know how hard it is to you know climb back up to the top it's it's like that's the hardest part but as soon as you've kind of reached that level where you're like wow i've like feel like i've done something really special it's like the next thing you know you're kind of like it's going to be way harder to go above this than just get pushed back down the ladder mm. um so there is that kind of level of it too is like trying to maintain an area as an athlete where you can 
consistently feel good about what you're doing. Mm. I would say a happy athlete yields better results almost always too. Agreed, 100%. And when you don't have that pressure. Yeah. Yeah, and when you don't have that pressure in the back of your head and you're just doing things like comfortably, like without, Mm -hmm. and that added, yeah, chirping in your ear or whatever, it it almost comes easier and things happen naturally. Uh, But as soon as you have that pressure behind you, it's things can fall apart because you just, it's too many stressors like it, 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 and then like every athlete's got to go through that and then you can persevere through that but it it doesn't it's not easier it definitely mm. makes things a lot more challenging do you sometimes regret choosing the route that you have with being an athlete no definitely not i mean there's there's it. times where like you get injured and you're just like why am i doing this this is like you know is this even worth it but the, you know those are very short thoughts in my head like because quickly I realized like the amazing people mm. that are around me because of my sport and like the amazing experiences that I've, I've got to do. And like, I'm literally living like my childhood dream as a, like, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah. I can, I can comfortably live wow. off this thing that I'd never thought was a reality. So it's, you yeah, know, even right. if it ended and I had to start from square one and get a job and go to school or whatever, it's like, I wouldn't give up those experiences for, you know, uh, for really anything. Like, you know, it's definitely not worth the wealth. Like, I, I feel like I've made some okay money doing what I'm doing, but I'm like, it's not, it's like, it's always come back to like the lifestyle. Like if I, if I had gone to school and, and became a doctor, I'd be spending on the money trying to have the lifestyle I have now. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I could be broke as long as I can continue to live this lifestyle and be like completely happy. So that's, Love that's that. kind of the thing that always like keeps me going is like, I'm super fortunate. And obviously, uh, you know, I'd rather take those risks than, than live a life that I don't totally love. So I love that. It's beautiful. I mean, I know it's a tough question, but at the same time, the way that you've exposed this thing about your life, which is great. And you being able to have manifested this reality um, by your own actions, which is something that no one could ever take away from you. And that's something that when you have a well of wealth within yourself that you can constantly tap into, then you really have a vibrant life. I feel, you know, it's like, yeah, no one can squander that only you, but you've already amassed so much that that would probably take a lot to undo that, you know? You mentioned, you mentioned, and I've been typing some thoughts as you go. I love it. Your stream of consciousness is so pure. Your content, yeah, being content, a contentious cycle. You mentioned having those. When about when in your cycle of, you know, your possession of making a trick or ex- executing uh, one of the many videos and things that you've done, or doing one of the like um, tournaments or stuff like that. Where's the content cycle fit in that? Usually, like. I mean, obviously right after achieving something Mm. and within that moment, whether it's like you, the feeling of doing it, or you're seeing like the clip of yourself doing it or whatever it might be, Mm. I'd say like that moment's really good. And then like a short period after that, but then it could even, it could literally even be like the time it took from say we filmed a clip and I did a new trick or I did something in like a way that I've always wanted to do it. And we're 
fired up we got it and i watch it say on the camera and i'm like i'm like yep that was it cam happy but even like in that time from like driving home from the set and then putting it on the computer and then watching it again mm. like by the time i watch it again usually i'm like maybe it could have been better you know like that so that's like how, <laughs> so how, whatever that period the is trick execution to, the, to, the <laughs> to like dropping the cards that night you know and it's, it's not always the case but i feel like a lot of the sure. times i'm like i'm i'm already because i've had that little bit of time to process what had happened mm-hmm. i'm like maybe there's then i start to think maybe there's more like mm-hmm. what could have you know what could be more what is that next step mm-hmm. um so yeah sometimes it's it's really short-lived yeah it can be which is good um which makes it special i think and i think uh what i'm trying to do is distill all these ideas because you're a prolific person and you're you're doing these things but there's a mechanism within you that allows you to have this trait that very few people have which is this possessive trait that's why i asked about the content cycle uh, content cycle because if it was very long, I would be interesting, but I didn't imagine it to be very long. And it turns out it's from executing the trick to the drive home. <laughs> so it's very small. Uh, how does it work for you? Do you, as an athlete, rest is very important, of course. Rest and recovery of some sort. What does that look like for you? And do you do certain types of you know rhythms of training and then rest? Or does that work for you at all? Or how, how do you, because riding and and mountain biking is a little bit different, say from like powerlifting or something where you can be much more quantified, but, um, how, how, what's your rhythm of training? Like for sure. I mean, I, I would say I'm probably on the side of overdoing it than underdoing it. Um, <laughs> and I, and again, like just in my day to day riding, it's very it's variable as well, because if there's like a week of rain and I can only accomplish so much, like maybe I dig a little bit and I get to ride when there's a window or something like that, mm. then I, I get more rest. But if it's like, if the weather's nice and I can be riding, then I'm like, I'm riding. <laughs> but I, I also know, I kind of know my windows for that. Like, you know, a, a morning session and an evening session and, and probably a few hours each. Um, and that would be like, I can accomplish things in those, those windows. So that would be, but I might, if it's, if, you know, I have like an amazing month of, of, you know, the conditions are perfect for riding, then I'm riding every day for 30 days and two sessions a day. I'm like, I'm pretty beat by the end of it. Um, (laughs) But it's hard for me to like pass up an opportunity where like, even like maybe on those days where I am a bit tired and I know I'm not going to have like the most amazing session, but I can still go like play around on something. And it's just like, it gets my brain going on like, well, what's the next thing I could try or what could I play with here that I haven't done with in a while? And and maybe just like even those sessions where I'm like tired and I'm not riding great, but I'll come up with an idea that I can come back to when I have some energy or I have the right location. It's just kind of like, it's just getting out there and like immersing yourself in it. And then I feel like the ideas come and that, and that's the motivator to go back out and ride the next day and keep working on things. So yeah. I, I feel like I'm just, that's, that's my mentality is like, even if I'm a little beat, I'll still, I'll still go ride as long as like, it's, it's a good, you know, the conditions are, are worth it. And, and I can, you know, like I'm, I'm feeling healthy enough. What's your ratio of riding for joy or the thrill of just yeah. purely riding as you did when you were a kid? Um, 
it's tough. Like, I feel like it is like, it always is for joy, but then there's, you know, when I'm on a project, it, it becomes serious. Cause there's like, there's some, there's stress and there's obligations and, and, and there's objectives. So it starts to feel a bit like work or like the, the time that it really feels like work is where I'm having to go do something that isn't something I would want to do on a daily basis. So like, if it's like a personal project and I've like got tricks in my head and it's, even though it's like, there's risk and we've got to like accomplish these things and maybe, you know, we're, we're, you know, it's self-funded. So I've, I've got some, you know, you know, my money is kind of like, I'm invested in it. Like I could lose this money if we don't accomplish it, but like, at least it's like ideas that I want to accomplish and like things that I'm excited to do. So it doesn't really feel like work, even though like it's more stressful. And then like day-to-day -day riding, me trying to learn stuff just feels like what I would do regardless if it was my career or not. Like I'm just motivated to go and, and do that. But if I like someone's like oh like there's this shoot you got to go on and we want you to ride like this and it's like mm -hmm. we want you to do a manual down a dirt path because we think that's cool i'd be like that feels like work you know like that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't feel cool to me i'm not like it's not inspiring or motivating like i'm not going to be proud of the content after the fact that's where i'm like ah oh, like it kind of kills me like it's like i don't want to do this mm. even if it's the same thing as another thing but if you didn't decide to do it it doesn't seem interesting right? Yeah. Yeah. That's how like I am it's, too. <laughs> it's yeah, a total curse. Yeah, for sure. We sound yeah. like prima donnas, but it's literally the mechanism of the, of the, of the machine. You want to have the free will to say, no, I said, I'm going to do that. Not you tell me to do that. <laughs> totally. totally. <laughs> and not to like devalue your brand by doing something like someone might be like, well, I think that's cool. But in your head, you're like, no, this isn't cool. Like, yeah. I don't think, you know, it's not, it's not me. That's not my brand. Mm -hmm. Do I really want to put that out into the universe? So, yeah, <laughs> You're you know. very cognizant of that too, which is one thing I really love and something we will touch back on is that you, with a lot of the things that you do and put out in the world, you you double down on yourself. And this is something that I also admire because if there's anybody that's ever, I always say this, like if anybody's going to put a risk on them, like if anybody, then it's got to be yourself on yourself, you know, and you double down. Yeah. So a lot of the content that you build and share with the world, like it's self-funded from the money that you've acquired. Then you bring in your friends and the gear and the things you need and the time you need. And that's why the crush happens because, but then you're the one that decides it. So it's kind of like, it's a win-win in a sense, as long as you don't happen <laughs> too hard, you know, it's similar. Like yeah. it's interesting because that's how I approach filmmaking. It's like all self-funded with friends and it's so pure that way, but then the pressure is so high, you know? So it's like, yeah, I feel like that's when you're going to have the best experience and yes. also create those really, that's really special content, you know, cause like yeah, spending easy, mom and dad's to... money for things. It's like, you don't holding it. You're not. <laughs> and I say mom and dad as a figure of source. Cause like you could totally. say it's a studio or whatever, a brand. And that's always amazing and nice when somebody's willing to support you that way. But, there's a different sense of urgency and importance when it's you putting yourself, not only the trick or the film or the thing on the line, it's like all of those things, the pressure cooker creates the diamond, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You become like so much more invested in it. I find, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of a necessary evil at times, but then, <laughs> you know, there's other times where you, you get cool opportunities with the commercial work or a brand that has a cool idea and 
and they bring you outside your box a bit too, which is, True. I feel like another important part of it. Um, something I've, I've learned more and more is like, I've kind of I've done a lot of my personal projects. It's like, it's kind of good to have someone pushing you, whether it's a filmmaker or a brand or, or, you know, some, I'm even like a creative agency bringing an idea to the table and you're like, and you trying to figure out like, how do I make this cool? Like, <laughs> they've, just, they've they've planted a seed but like in your head you're like you need to figure out like what what's gonna how is this gonna be cool to you like at the end of the day like how can i picture this coming across as like you know organic or you know just inspiring as an idea of the source from within yeah yeah that's a tough thing to do when you're in a space where art meets capitalism in a sense, you know, where art means totally. money, where art meets timelines, where art meets spreadsheets, you know, these kind of things. And it somehow, depending on how you look at it, it could dice, it could totally dissect and dilute the art, or you can be really super pure about it and then just execute. But it is a fine line. I would say too, you have a real essence about your personal brand. And I can see that within yourself now that there's a sense of control in a good way that what you put out, you want it to represent yourself. How do you know, and this is probably a hard question to ask, but how do you know when something's worthy of sharing with the people that admire you? It, it's just kind of like a feeling, you know, like I, and then I'm, again, I'm critical of, there's probably a lot of stuff I don't put out because I'm like, like even like a social media post, sometimes I'm like, I'll start to be like, Oh, this is like, this is kind of cool. And then by the time I've written the caption and like done the whole thing, I'm like looking at the clip for the 10th time. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't like it anymore. It's just like, there's, <laughs> How often there's does those that happen? times How often does more that often happen? than you would, more often than you'd think. Yeah. Well, that's good. That means you're distilling. Yeah. And you're finding yeah. the best. But it's usually thing. like if I can watch it and I'm like, I'm happy about it, then sure. I feel like it's worth, worth sharing. Like, Mm -hmm. if, if I can more. picture myself in someone else's shoes being like, Whoa, that was cool. Or like what he did was, was impressive. Or I like how it was created. Then, then yeah. Like if I can get to the end of the chain of whatever process it is to putting it out to the world and I'm still stoked on it, then, then, then it's good. Is there but, something with your personal brand that you wish you could do, but you haven't been able to do yet? Yeah. I mean, always, there's always things mm. to improve on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the I feel like the there's podcast. a lot of areas. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of areas where like, um, I could capitalize more on the things I am doing. Cause we, you know, you spend a lot of time on things and, and you spend a, a lot of preparation as well to get to these points. And then sometimes I feel like, Oh, like, we should have captured this or there, there should have been like an alternate kind of thing attached to this other thing we were doing or, or maybe just even, you know, capturing the process a little bit more at times. Like I feel like sometimes as much as I don't really love behind the scenes type stuff, because mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes it's a distraction from like the, the end goal. There are stories within all that that's, that can give that angle a lot more context. Yeah. So there's, there's times, but then it's like, it's, it's always, you don't know when this stuff's going to happen and like where those stories are going to unfold. So it is challenging, but I've tried more and more to just 
even where I can just like, let's just see, let's just do things and see what happens. And at least we have it. And if we don't like it, then we just don't even put it out or whatever, but trying to be a little bit more like cognitive about this stuff could happen. Like there could be cool moments that might make these big moments even better. Um, and then finding, uh, you know, there's a, the other side of it is like when we release content or release these moments, um, I was always like, you know, up until the last few years, I feel like I was so focused on just creating the content and not worrying about what happened with the content after the fact, mm. you know, I was just like, for me, it was all about just, just getting it done. Cause I had this idea in my head and I just need to like get it out. Um, but now being a little bit more, you know, thought out about where do I want to see this content? Where does this content belong? Who's the, who's the audience that I want watching it? Um, and then putting a little bit more emphasis on that, like on the release and being a bit more patient with um, making sure it all goes out at the same, the right time and, and to the right people. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to do, but it's a beautiful place to be in where we have the access to the internet. Um, and it allows people like ourselves, these little islands to have some sort of sovereignty in this like little niche of the world or using like platforms like Instagram and YouTube and all those kind of things. Do you feel like you're utilizing it to the capacity or do you always, I mean, I guess I keep asking the same question, but it's like, there's always going to be more, but yeah. what's one of the things that this, these new tools have offered you or showed you that like gives you your ability to kind of do what you want to do? Is it the reach yeah. of it or the, the, um, the connection to a larger group of people or. I mean, it's obviously like the reach is, is, is super important, mm -hmm. but like, and then it's sustaining it with being able to connect with people also on these, on these, especially social media spaces. Yeah. Um, continuously connecting and keeping people engaged so that they continue to support and follow you and, and then give me the abilities, you know, with their support, it gives me the abilities to keep doing it. So it's, you know, it's a you know, continuous cycle. Um, I would say as, as far as like, there's so much that changed in, in the media space in the last, you know, decade. Um, I would say I'm, I'm definitely not capitalizing on it, but that's kind of where my, I feel like my, you know, my core and my, my purity of how I picture the sport and I picture an athlete being stands in the way like YouTube's obviously become like a really big thing and mm -hmm. having a YouTube channel and creating a following and an audience on there is really important. But for me, I, I can't, I don't, I don't picture a way of doing it how I'd want to do it and it working. It's, it, I know that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. No, it's a lot like of information, but yeah, it's not, it's not the tool that you have in your mind with the way yeah, that you want to execute. Exactly. Is it the, exactly. is it the abundance and oversaturation of YouTube? Cause that's what turns me yeah. off most of the time. Exactly. I used to use video I just, I don't a lot more, but yeah. Same. But then you being a YouTuber is kind of like, I feel, and I'm not to be rude, but there, a lot of the YouTubers experience, like when I experience it and they feel like used car sales people, like where it's like, smoke and mirrors and they're just trying to hustle to capture your energy and your in your in in your time which is fine and they use all these different like kind of uh, like cheesy lack of 
originality feelings, I guess. And but YouTube is a, is an incredible tool. The more I discover it, the more I, I realize just yeah. how brilliant it is. And it's taken me a while to really see its brilliance and why I'm starting to shift my energy personally into YouTube because I'm like it has it has a lot of the tools that I think are incredible and they, and they're smart and they're large so they see what TikTok does and then they'll acquire that in their own ecosystem and they see what Instagram does and so on and so forth so they can keep relevant in the space of lack of attention spans and stuff you know which yeah. is yeah like yeah it's I, bit, I couldn't agree more yeah because I was on the same same feeling like I was like everything I did even if it went to YouTube and I was like the main hub I was like everything has to live on Vimeo Mm-hmm. because it was the experience was so much better like and mm-hmm. we talked about like people watching it on a phone or something like that i'm like yeah. but i want whatever i create like at least there would be a place for people to have like the 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 best experience possible you know yeah. and and easy to access and that seemed like vimeo um you know it, it you don't sacrifice the content with vimeo mm-hmm. but then the audience wasn't there and then and then as time went on i'm like and like personally, I'm on YouTube and I, you just like, you know, click refresh and, or you go to, you just type in somebody's name. Like I want to watch this dude ride today or, you know, this, you know, the filmmaker or whatever. And then you get all their work. Like, you know, like you, usually YouTube has 90% of everyone's work Yeah. these days at least. So, and yeah. then I'm like, well, that's where like Vimeo becomes more challenging. Cause if someone's just trying to watch bike videos of me all day, they're having to like, trying to find some on YouTube and some on Vimeo and some on some other players, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, maybe I need to focus in on (laughs) YouTube being like, at least creating like a good uh, album for people that want to watch my writing on YouTube that, that I can be proud of too. So then I, you know, I have a channel, there's like two videos on there, but like just at least (laughs) add like a video or two every year Mm -hmm. of like content that I'm really proud of so that, I slowly build out that presence on YouTube. Yeah. Not not to have a fan base, but for people like me that were like, I want to watch my favorite rider. I'm going to type in their name, and I'm just going to, you know, basically watch the playlist of videos that pop up yeah. to get excited to go ride for the day or whatever it might be. Totally. That's and that's your kind audience. Of my, yeah, yeah, and that's my current experience with YouTube. But I, yeah. I don't want to sacrifice my level of content to put out continuous content to build up the fan base. That's so, you know, great. if there's only a few videos out there for me, like I'm okay with that as long as people can find them. Well, I think that what you're saying is quality over quantity kind of thing. And, 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 and YouTube's exactly. all about quantity over quality a lot of the times, unfortunately. And it's just like bash it out, kind of get it out. And I think what I'm starting to see and how I feel, cause I actually tend to watch more YouTube than most anything nowadays because it's so much more. I can watch like last night I was watching documentaries on how like, this crazy submarine, the latest, biggest submarine in American Navy is built. And it's just like (laughs) insane. It can be underwater for six months and live without refueling for 27 years or so. I just, I'm like, how is this possible? Anyways, I love those things because my brain just gets turned on by so many different things. And I love the stimulus, but I couldn't, you know, the old way of doing that is going like on history channel and maybe watching something about our engineering show or something. But like YouTube is just been like, I think you said it perfectly. It's, it's got all it's the library is larger and it can allow you to get to the thing faster, but then the cost is quality. But this is where I'm thinking. And this is just me personally, as I'm starting to go into this venture is you control the con- the quality and the con- quantity. Yeah. Your, your stuff might not 
trend amongst the algorithm of how YouTube works is their whole thing is gets get people here and keep as many people here as long as possible. So we'll build an algorithm to feed that. And unfortunately, that's just kept up with all the garish, like, like candy kind of stuff. And so everything that's kind of bad rises. But I do still feel deep in my heart, and I could be a complete romantic idiot, but I feel like, and this is where I'm seeing the difference between these two platforms, because I've been using Vimeo since the beginning, and I still use Vimeo, but I feel like what I've noticed with YouTube in a sense of being a content creator on the internet space is that, YouTube just has more tools, I think, and the bigger way to get to people. But it's up to us if we want to share things there and how much we want to share it. So, and the people that love and see what you do, like they'll love and support it no matter what, you know? So that's just my thing, but yeah. yeah. yeah no, so, I, I agree with that. And like you said, I, I, I do agree if people, no matter where I put my content, I think people will, will always support, like at least the core fan base will be stoked. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, it's, it's, it's more of my personal satisfaction of like totally. feeling good about it and going back to my YouTube profile and being like, I like all these videos versus like, oh, I can't believe I put that video out. You can or, always take the, it out. Yeah. You can always just make that's, it. That's like true. A, yeah, that's true. But I you know, like, and I think it was Chris Nolan that before one of his films came out, he went and visited every theater to make sure the IMAX was set up correctly. I think it was right. him or James Cameron. There's a level that you respect your audience to the level, but it also can be, you know, be a hindrance unless you are really Consuming. conscious of it. But it's, yeah, I guess it just comes down to what your comfort level is. You know, it's like, I'm just looking, personally, I'm just looking at the trends and that's why I'm talking about this because like having been a, a Vimeo user for so long and then like seeing how YouTube is just kind of taken off to be its own thing, which is wonderful. And it'll eventually have its due and something else might come up and, you know, it's really what it's doing is just feeding consumption. It's like why TikTok and things like that. I don't use those, so I can't critique it too much, but I know basically what it is. But it's just short form, quick dopamine, addictive, scrolly yeah, kind of stuff, you know. But that's for a certain demographic. But I really do firmly believe, and I think we talked about this as I released Chimera. I think there's a fan base of people that really like this different way of experiencing things, you know. And I, you put those little testers out there. All you can do, as you know, is like as an artist, you just make the thing that you love with full freedom under your own merit and you put it out there and there's people out there that appreciate it because people appreciate great work, you know? And especially the, those little bits of like going outside the box and things standing apart, you know, it's just, it's, it's so easy to get interested in something that looks nothing like all the other stuff too, where you're like, well, what's this over here? I want to, I want to figure this out. Um, yeah. So it's always trying to obviously not create the same thing over and over. If you can start to create things that have a different look and a different style and like something that stands out from the rest or a narrative that's different than what you've heard before. It's, um, it's a, I mean, that's obviously the best way to get people's attention, but it's, it's challenging these, these days with like how much content's out there and how do you, how do you stand out? So mm-hmm. yeah, I think obviously people are going to grab onto those really unique ideas, um, you know, with both hands. Do you feel there's a pressure with the amount of people that follow you to continually feed them your brand? I think there's a balance. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there is a, like, there's always a pressure because short attention spans more than ever. I think people kind of 
can easily just yeah just like not really it's like if you're consistent with it i feel like the fan base like rolls with it really quick because it's like they're already like thinking about you and they're already like excited about things you're doing if it's if it's done right Mm -hmm. but as soon as you leave like that gap it's like it's like it's hard to get everyone back like like um really engaging like obviously they'll see it and then but it's like having that steady engagement um i find there's there is kind of like a, a bit of a window like i can I can roll out like a, a big project every two to three months. And I feel like I don't get the sense from the fan base that like, Oh, I've been gone. If that's, if that's the gap, but if it goes longer than that, I start to feel like, you know, the, the, the fan base, some people might be like, Oh, like finally a project or, you know, like, Oh, I, I didn't know he was like, doing this anymore or something you know like if it's like five, oh you six still months, ride a bike wow okay yeah, yeah. totally yeah, yeah, i'm yeah, still yeah. here <laughs> yeah but, um yeah it's kind of like if, if i can put out a you know and that's that's the goal always is like you know we'll spend a month a couple weeks to a month on a project and then kind of like give ourselves a break and, and think about the next idea and prepare for the next idea and then hopefully in another month or two we start on the next one and and if i can have like four or five projects throughout the year i feel like that's a good flow of content and content I'm proud of at least. Um, and then social is like that other, you know, you feed that with, you know, unique content that's outside the productions, but also maybe bits and pieces from the productions that didn't get seen or, or moments that you're really proud of. And so that's kind of like maintaining that social presence and some sort of like, uh, yeah, just like what's going on like yeah. what you've been up to, like you're riding, you're riding, your current riding and like what that looks like. And um, that's obviously a really good way just to keep people interested in what, what's happening. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because it's like sometimes, cause it, you realize, I mean, I think your process is like you, you meditate, gestate on the concept, you go and execute, but art that's great. takes time. It takes evolution. And if you don't have enough time between things, you're repeating yourself because you haven't allowed enough time to fail and learn. And then your style changes, but your, your style won't grow in leaps if you allow too much time or not enough time. Yeah. So it's like this perfect blend. But, and then, yeah, with the way that this system works in regards to keeping relevant is people like have a general, and we all do. I think we're all victim of it that we just go like, Oh yeah, that person's still doing those things. And I wonder what it is. I'm wondering, like, when I think about this stuff, like where the end is going to be and what that end is going to look like potentially, like not by end, like end of life. I'm just wondering, like, if we consume the things that we do, the the rate that we do now, where is our cognitive ability going to be and where is our mental state going to be? You know? Yeah. Um, or our expectations for content. Like, like we're, we, we should just be getting this all the time, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's the crazy thing. I know you experience this, I'm sure, with your fan base is like they just demand it and expect it and act as if like this free thing that you're giving them is something that they've de- they deserved or something, you know, and it's like totally, totally. Yeah. How do you deal yeah, with it's, that? It's, it's crazy. I, I mean, even think like that it's a challenge. Like for, mm-hmm. for me, like I I want the stuff I put on social, like I still want to be proud of it. But then there's a lot of times where I run into a situation where I'm like, well, I could save this for the next video part because it's unique. And then 
I don't want to like, you, you don't want to waste a good idea on something that's just going to get eaten up and, and spat out so fast, you know, where like yeah. you could put it along with like a bunch of other great ideas that might have a longer shelf life <laughs> or at least like it might actually be seen again where it's like, you know, a lot of this stuff we put on social is like, it's, it's there and gone. Um, and, and I think I think of it so much as an athlete, like when I watch other athletes that are, or even artists, like uh musicians everything like that just they get on like a roll of like putting out like so much good stuff like it's like over and over like you're like for me i'm like because i know how hard it is to do that and you see these people and they just like it's like a constant feed of like amazing stuff and you're just like this guy's on a roll like this is crazy how long is this gonna last you know sure it's uh but it, it's it's also inspiring like wow this guy's doing all this stuff like okay like i gotta step it up because <laughs> You know, like obviously it's possible to do more. Yeah. But yeah. Almost always. Yeah. Always, yeah. <laughs> almost always the case. It's always, um, it's cool to be inspired by people and it's an, it's cool to be humbled by people too, especially outside of your ranks of reality too, that are doing different things. I feel like, I, I don't know. I stumbled on this like group of writers that, come from LA and from like kind of like the ghetto and then they just started crushing it and and they have a lot of adversities and I was like watching I found his feed and I was like these guys there's prolific people in every little niche of life it's just a matter of finding them and like celebrating them as long as their intentions are pure you know and it just reminded me constantly like there's there's a lot of unfortunately mediocre people that are just drifting through life that have aimless goals and don't want to take responsibility for the goals that they want. And then there's people that actually go after them. And there's this huge valley between the two uh, <laughs> and it, in that personality thing, you know, and, and, and cause like, I'm sure you probably encountered it in different levels where people are like, Oh, I can do that. That's okay. You know, like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> go do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. You seem very action oriented. Do you have a system in which you operate you with your time? Cause you're quite prolific and you do a lot of different things. We haven't even talked about your rally sport skill and, and athleticism as well. And that's a whole nother thing we'll get into in a minute, but do you have like a system in which you operate with your time? Do you set alarms? Do you have lists? Uh, do you do it all mentally? Um, how do you stay accountable for your own actions? I, I feel like I'm, uh, you know, maybe fly with fly by the wind a little bit, just in the sense of like, I, there, there's maybe certain times that are good for certain learning, certain things or achieving certain things. So I just like, I'm like, okay, this feels like the moment to go do this. So then I, I do that. But I, I definitely try to consistently feel productive. Like, even if it's like, I can't ride my bike. Well, what can I do? Okay. I can, I can get emails done. I can start planning the next shoot. I can, you know, whatever, sort out things or, you know, personal things that I need to get done so that when I go away next and come home, I can just get right back to riding and, and things like that. So, um, I don't really like, I don't try and break it down too much. Like I have my rough schedule mm. and that changes often. Uh, like we said, fluid schedules <laughs> yeah. and, uh, <laughs> I, I'm definitely a, a like a to-do list guy, like because hmm. there's just so much going on, and then I'm like, I, if I'm like, oh yeah, I got to do this, it's just I just write it down, mm-hmm. and like I get all the notes down, and then I just when I get those moments to sit down, I can like look at the list and be like, oh yeah, cool, I gotta I gotta just tackle this, and then 
I'll sit down and try and check those boxes. And that, that almost feels as good as like, you know, making sure I get a good ride in on the bike. Like mm-hmm. that you feel productive. You're like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm like, I'm working towards something. I'm, I'm you know, one step closer to a goal. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I would say I'm, I'm not super physical? scheduled, but definitely physical yep, writing physical. on paper. I like to write, I like to write things down. Yeah. Like even like same trick lists or like, uh, even if I have it like on my phone, but mm-hmm. like nice yeah <laughs> but yeah like even if i've written it down on my phone like i'll actually like say like we're gonna shoot and like okay there's a concept and i know what tricks i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna write it out from like start to finish like mm-hmm. if i can if i know like everything of like how i picture it yeah i want it to be like i'll literally write it out and i'll put like how you know how long i think you know like we're gonna get five seconds for the two shots for mm-hmm. this one trick i'm gonna do Mm-hmm. And, and then I'll, I'll try and build out the timeline and the whole video and everything. But I, I like to like see it on physical paper. Mm. It's like, it's hard for me to do it digitally. Um, yeah. There's a disconnect that happens with the digital space that I have the same thing. I have a system that's kind of interesting. I've been adding to it. Would you like to know? I think you might yeah, like yeah. this. So I, I have it. the physical book, right? And it's just a book with lines and, and I feel it filled with like priorities and a lot of it's just like, just lists and they're all like I call them a and B list priorities. I don't do anything below that. And usually that just means I don't do things that I shouldn't be doing with my time. (laughs) And sometimes it creeps into life, obviously, you know, like um, I can't help it. But you got to manage that. It's important. Yeah, totally. Cause if your goal and your focus in life is to do a specific thing very well, then you shouldn't be doing anything other than that unless it adds uh, offers another thing to you in a different way. And that can be as simple as like walking through the woods or taking a journey somewhere and in, in experiencing that to give you a stimulation, you know. Um, but what I have been doing when I'm not around home or my my physical list is I'll just have my phone and I'll have um, in my notes, I'll just have a to-do list and I and have the little circles on there. And I, if mm-hmm. I wake up in the thing, I go, oh, yeah, I need to do that. Bam. And I just put it in. I have thousands of things, even if it's simple as like you know, walk my dog or whatever, but it seems to help because that means my phone's always with me. And then when I get to my physical list, I look back at it and write it down and go, okay, I need to do that. It's kind of tough because I just fill my day. So filled with so many different yeah. things. And if I get at least 80% of what I'm goal to get done, it's normally like 300% better than most people or myself without this system seems to work. Okay. But that's like a little additive thing that I did. It, a lot of this comes yeah, from like a couple that. books that I've read. One of them was, uh, I mentioned it a lot in the podcast. It's called eat that frog. And it helps you like the book helped me identify like different priorities, different tasks of priorities, like where to task the priorities. And cause it's, it gets so vague when you're going through life and you're trying to be prolific, but you don't know where to put your time. But this book really kind of helped me go like, just don't do things that you shouldn't have to be doing, you know, and target in on it. Yeah. As simple as like, don't giving, not giving certain people your time that aren't really worth yeah. the time to talk. It's easy to do. Yeah, yeah. Especially with like like someone audience. that maybe makes you feel not great, <laughs> you know, like, and then you, but you give them your time and you're like, well, I spent an hour with this person that, that doesn't like, hasn't inspired me or like maybe has a negative outlook or maybe feel, feel kind of off for the rest of the day kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, I shouldn't have spent my time. You know, I sh- <laughs> you, you got to know when just to be like, nah, it's not happening. Time vi- vampires, I call them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always tough yeah. too, because especially if you're a nice person, it's tough to like not do those things. But at the same time, 
it's also good to, yeah, I guess that's just navigating life and understanding your value too. It takes a long time to understand yeah. your value, I feel. But yeah, those are like little mods that I do that I find is cool. But that's good that you write it down. I can see, I can picture you like manifesting and imagining and then drawing and writing out the flow of it. It's really a good way to approach it. I feel like, I feel like you must go into the fourth dimension to come into our current dimension, you know, and that's the mind and the, the imagination mind or fourth dimension or the infinite minute dimension, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah. yeah. Would you, what, what would you describe as your favorite part of this whole process of creating things? Like when you put something out there to the world, what's your favorite? If you could just, just distill it down to that one moment, this is the most blissful moment of the process. It's honestly like, having an idea like you obviously you've worked to like try and figure something out mm. and then it's kind of like the moment between having the idea and seeing the idea come to life mm. like mm. the start and end of it are kind of like funny because you're like the start of it it's like it's a process mm. and you're just you're just whatever you're learning and you're you're trying to, to dream up whatever it is and then there's the final piece which is always fun to put out but like mm. I don't like once I'm already like once there's a final piece, I'm already thinking about like the next thing. So I feel (laughs) like that hasn't really like, it doesn't really get me super excited, but like Mm -hmm. when there's that moment of like, you've pictured it, you've, you've done all the work to make it happen. And then you actually see it come to life. It's just like such a rewarding feeling of like Mm -hmm. sick. Like I, it was more like that. Just knowing that you could do it is like what I really like about it. It's like, all right, I was able to, Mm to dream up this thing and, and make it a reality. Um, Cause there was obviously in the early stages, you don't know if it's possible yet. So I think that's like what really, again, it goes back to the challenge of things. Like you accomplished the challenge. You're like, well, I did it. I figured it out. Okay. on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the, and, it, and it's also the, the collaborative with, with the people you work with, like you get, everyone around you that's involved is feels the same as well you know like it's like a, a, a good good energy between the whole crew of like yes like we're doing it we're stoked like it's just like high vibes and and um yeah i don't know it's just a really good feeling love that it's cool that the reaching into the unknown and pulling it out and executing and accomplishing it that's the fulfilling aspect that's really great yeah i think there's no I think there's no greater joy in life in a lot of ways than that right there. I think in reaching into yourself and the great unknown, not knowing if you can do it, but having the belief to execute. Yeah. And I think that's a feeling that very few people really truly experience. And that's truly what I think life is worth living for <laughs> in a lot of ways. percent. <laughs> yeah. And if you yeah. distill it down yeah. that way, I think that's really what it is. Like it's just reaching within yourself and yeah, that's really tricky. Would you say, yeah. um, you mentioned that you're really self-critical. Do you know where that comes from? Childhood or? Yeah, probably childhood. Mm-hmm. I, I got an older brother. He was, mm-hmm. he also rode mountain bikes professionally. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was always like him and his friends were, you know, on the path of their, their on like race mountain bikes. But mm-hmm. um, there was definitely like, they're older. They did everything better than me. And it was always like trying to get that, um, respect from them like oh you know what he's actually pretty good or like he did that good like Mm. that was always like definitely something i i saw that like from like him and his peers Mm. he's like seven years older so obviously oh yeah a big gap like they're way way better than i yeah that's like my brother totally big gap Mm -hmm. 
so it was just like i think that's kind of where it stemmed from a little bit is like trying to get their respect for like like i worked hard and i feel good about something but if they said it was good mm -hmm. then it's like it feels even better mm. um and then maybe that just stuck with me over time and it's kind of maybe gone i guess beyond that a little bit because now then i get critical of myself like some people say it's great but i, I you know sometimes like be harmful though i'm like i'm like is it like did was it really as good as it could have been or are you just being nice to me you know <laughs> can you trust yeah. what people say or do you feel like that's part I'd, of the problem i could trust my close friends yeah okay the people like that, that you know people that are are real like mm -hmm. and like obviously no alternative motive and shit they just keep totally it real. and like yeah. and like honestly like when we're shooting and and someone tells me like my style was whack or didn't i need land. to do it again right. mm. i'm like i'm not offended at all mm. like i'm like thank you you know if some but if someone's like and i know that they're doing it like oh yeah i thought that one was sick mm -hmm. i'm like i hate that <laughs> you know like it bothers me i'm like i want you to be like even if because like because i'll know that it wasn't yeah most of the time or if it was you know like usually i know when it's a good one i usually know it's a bad one mm. and if you like bullshitted me on either end and i'm mm. like i don't trust your feedback anymore because like it was obvious, you know, sure. but like when like there's those times where it's kind of critical, you're like, oh, it, it felt pretty good to me, but then there might've been an aspect that they see from their angle that wasn't great. Like maybe I needed to change something up because that angle mm. shows, you know, maybe an unflattering thing. <laughs> and, and that's where I need them to be like, Hey, like I liked when your head was down a little bit more on this trick. It just looks better, you know? And then I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah it's a thin line i'm sure too because there's one way and then also it's easy for somebody that's not doing what you're doing to criticize but at the same time that's too true there's an an objectivity to it as long as it adds to the distillery of the concept you know like if it distills back down into the core of it you know and it adds to it so but it's tricky um i always feel like it's very dangerous to put your happiness in the hands of other people you know <laughs> It's true. It can be, it can be super dangerous. You have to do it to the right people though. It's like, that's the thing is you yeah. got to surround yourself with the people you trust. Yeah. Lions and, and yeah, Kings. Exactly. You have to only be around yeah. the Kings only, you know, yeah, if you're trying totally. to be the best and you should always be, I always feel like you should surround yourself with people better than you in a lot of ways, because I gained, I gained a lot of this logic and knowledge from jujitsu. Jujitsu was like, as you gathered the skills and the ranking, you would always dwell you would always roll with somebody below you at the same level and above you and you would blend those three experiences into one but you needed to remember where you came from where you currently are and where you need to go and be humbled by the top but then absolutely but be thankful for your progression from below but how do you do that with friendships i think it's so difficult <laughs> but it's i think a lot of that comes to like i guess i'm curious what you think of how you navigate this but like friendships, how do you navigate good friendships, core friendships? Like what would you, and how many do you think you would have if you were to like really quantify? Yeah, it's tricky. Loaded like, question. <laughs> that's a loaded question. Yeah. Yeah. I but, mean, a lot of it is, I mean, there, there's like the intuitiveness of like, I think this person's a really good person. Mm -hmm. You feel it. But then, yeah, you feel it. And and then like you go through the motions, uh, obviously like, 
you come out of school and you get new friends and then you maybe you figure out some of those friends aren't people you want to be affiliated with and then you meet other friends and you're like hey these and they, they've never really gone away and, and you go through steps where like you kind of go through those repetitive steps of like who you involve and really bring into your life and then people that that stay and don't stay yeah um and then at this point i'm like i i've had a lot of close friends and we've all been put in these like you know we've been putting the the trenches together where it's like these really challenging moments and like you know like i for instance you met oh you, you didn't meet him um but like ian, ian collins a photographer we were with you know he's Man. been there for yeah exactly um he's been there for some of like the heaviest things i've done on a bike you know like really like scary moments you know and like heavy moments and then um one of the builders that was on that project uh who you didn't meet uh evan evan young who's like he's built like majority i would say like 90 percent of like these the big projects i've done and like in some of like the gnarliest like my, all my rampage runs and like mm. some of the gnarliest things i've done like he's the one that's like crafted it and then i'm you know i'm i'm relying on him like in his work of like like basically putting my life in his hands like crazy hopefully he built this right because like <laughs> i'm the one riding it you know and like <laughs> so those dudes where you've, you've literally like you've been so like in these really heavy moments with and like stressful moments and then you come out the other side and it's like they're still just as close of friends or closer friends than they were you know before you know it's like it didn't tear us apart it didn't Mm. you know it, it just made like the that relationship kind of grow stronger so mm. those are where like i'm like those are people i'm gonna have in my life forever um in those relationships that i'm like really like happy again going back to like my career and like you know i got those relationships because of what i do and like i don't know what my life would look like if i didn't have people in my life that that i felt um were you know really good people and 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 i could rely on like those guys so probably wouldn't be that uh, great <laughs> it wouldn't be that great no it wouldn't. So, and then yeah and, and only great by the people you like, surround yourself with it really firmly that's exactly that. it yeah. you know and i i really like i i look at all those guys and i'm like you know there's a lot of aspects that i wish i was like them and mm. you know and in a lot of ways because mm. they just are, are incredible people and Mm. Uh, feel very fortunate to have a good circle and my circle is probably it's pretty big like i have a lot of amazing people around but i'd say my really close circle is probably you know 10-ish people yeah that's wonderful you know? that's a blessing yeah. to have 10 close kings queens totally corner yeah. yeah and and again these are all like insanely skilled people whether yeah. they work with me or they don't but like yeah everyone has such a like you know amazing skill and 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 unique unique skills at that at that matter you know it's a it's pretty cool and so i'm i'm really fortunate that i, I get to work with a lot of them mm. and they're just my friends like we hang out when we're not working and it's it's uh you know i can bounce ideas and 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 pretty much anything off of so it's it's pretty good that's awesome yeah i mean i think a friend of mine says tell me who your friends are and i'll tell you who you are that kind of saying you know it's like it says <laughs> yeah. a lot about you the company you keep and oftentimes and i think this is something that i've tried to talk with my daughter about and anybody that i'm close to about especially that is wandering or exploring through life it's like you got to surround yourself with people of quality um, because they're only going to add to your life value and they're going to give you so much and they're going to humble you and 
grow with you and go through the things, you know, it's like build good memories and establish trust and resilience through the different difficult times and also celebrate the beauty and bounties of life too, which is just as important as the trials and tribulation side of things too, which is often overlooked, I think too, which is tricky. But. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. Mm. And even it's, it's been interesting, like, um, like being an athlete and, and having my friends from like the sports side and then getting into production and having those friends and then now motorsports yeah. and then <laughs> having kind of like all those worlds collide. Mm. And then you have, uh, you know, a scenario, like even last year we traveled with like a bunch of, you know, uh, the people I work with on the production side very often, and then some motorsports people and then them all, like all my close people that sometimes they, they never actually had a, a chance to meet yet, mm. but then them meeting and being like, and then kind of like stepping back and both parties being like, man, you've got some really cool friends. Like mm -hmm. those are really good people. And you're like, it makes you feel like good about like, you're like, I made a good choice. Like I, I to trust these people and bring these people into my life. Like yeah, how I have it. Cause if you can, both parties are looking at it like that. You're like, okay, sweet. Yes. Like, I, I, I think both these people are awesome and they think each other's awesome. So I'm obviously on the right path of like surrounding myself with the right people. That's probably one of the most amazing feelings for me is when I introduce my tribe to another tribe that I love and they're yeah. commingling. It's like, yes, I love it. It, it makes me it's so happy. Easy. Oh, it's easy. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, like for the most part, it's like, of course they're going to love each other because they're cut from the same cloth because we're all connected. Not everybody's on those levels too. Nothing against people. It's just everybody's at a different no, level, totally. you know, different level of interest. And we all have different fascinations with things, you know? And yeah. Yeah. But that's, but cool. it's nice when it works and everyone and everyone blends. Yeah. Extended yeah. family too. It's hard enough yeah, to exactly. go through life and be amazing. It's, it's harder with people that are sucking the life out of you too. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I remember, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be here with, I wouldn't be here with all those people without all those people. Oh, right. Like absolutely. They, they play a massive part in, everything I do. So I love that when we had, when we had sat and, and I love sharing a meal. That's one of my favorite things to do, especially when I am introduced to somebody. And this is the first time we had met physically. We had talked, you know, casually through like chat and all these kind of things. But when we had a chance to sit and eat, that was one thing I was really taken back and loved about your energy is for the level of uh, skill and ability that you have, you have a very, calm collective humble nature which speaks bounds and it could be potentially your, the way you're upraised and all these things but how do you manage to keep your ego in check uh i i just don't really think what i'm doing is like anything that special like like <laughs> I, 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 I that's a way to do it <laughs> i know it's like a, i know it's like a, it's a skill and this and that but i'm not like i'm not like well, you could I'm not be saving the planet. Yeah, I'm not like I'm just riding a mountain bike, and it no makes one me really feel is good. saving the planet, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I and I and I look. The thing is, like, I almost look at it as like I'm the person. I'm just in, in, inspired by the people I look up to, and mm -hmm. that's like why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm like, I feel like I'm just doing a part of what they're the bigger picture of the, what they're doing. Sure. So I'm just like I'm more. Yeah. And I know people feel the same about like they watch me and they get inspired by me to, to get out there or to like to achieve something that they are, they're really passionate about. And I, and I, and I, that's amazing feeling to me, but I, mm. I don't feel like I'm that person, you know, like that doesn't, 
I'm always looking at like all these other amazing people and I'm just like, I'm like, well, I, I aspire to be them. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's kind of my, it's like the feeling of living, you know, living in someone's shadow always. Yeah. It's like, you never, you're never going to feel like you're the king if you're always in someone's shadow and true and not in, not in a bad way. Like yeah. I like having these artists and these athletes and, and, you know, just in, like really talented people to look up to and kind of chase down like uh, aspects of what they're doing and being like, I want to, I want to understand how to do a bit of that or, mm -hmm. or accomplish something like that. And so I think that just keeps me at my, like, I'm content. I'm happy what I'm doing, but I'm like, it's just, like, I don't think what I'm doing is, is spectacular. By <laughs> I love that. That's how you stay humble. Absolutely. Yearn for more, put yourself where you should be, which is just in a place of hum humility and being, <laughs> yeah. you know, being amongst the people of everybody. And, but then also celebrating the fact that you have a uniqueness to it and your possession of, of craft has led you to some really amazing results. And you've taken, what potentially could have been just a casual hobby uh, and turned it into a lifestyle and a living, you know, are you still close with your brother? Yeah. Yeah. We're still fairly close. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't see him as much as I, I wish I did, but well, you're busy. Uh, I can't imagine your yeah. schedule has got to be insane. I know you go exactly. off and then you do rallies and stuff and we should definitely get into that. You've been riding yeah. with Trek for quite a long time. Mountain biking since you started has had a massive flux. And I feel like the last five years, engineers have really stepped into this world of mountain biking and created these insane progressions in it. What's your thoughts on that? And also reading, yeah, riding with such a really awesome uh, team like Trek or just with a company like Trek because they've been around for a very long time and they have a massive scale. And yeah, they're quite, quite a famous brand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like you said, the, the progression in the mountain bike world, just with equipment is, is it's insane. Like it's, it's rapidly improving, but it, it has been over the last, you know, five, 10 years. Yeah. Um, you know, it's crazy to think like you buy a motorcycle and like, like a dirt bike, but like you could buy a dirt bike from five years ago and it, it's not really much different <laughs> yeah. at this point, yeah. but a mountain bike, like if you buy a mountain bike from five years ago, it's, it's basically relevant. Like yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it doesn't carry the value of like what the new bikes are or, or the quality of what the new bikes are. Yeah. Um, so it's cool to see it just, you know, grow and, and uh, like, obviously I'm, I'm really into motorsports. So the engineering and the, the equipment side of things is like really interesting to me. So I like, I definitely love that mountain bike kind of has that like almost like F1 feeling to it yeah. at times or like, you know, you can really uh, indulge in like, or just yeah, get really specific with the suspension and the brakes and and the geometry of the frames and the materials you use and everything like that. So mm -hmm. that's been cool. And then yeah, and so I started with Trek when I was I don't know, super young. I was like fourteen. I think it was like two thousand five or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's like I I kind of got on flow with them, um, and at the time at least for like the West coast and like mountain biking in general, Trek wasn't that, that big in like the mountain bike space, mm -hmm. obviously road, they were huge. Like they were, they were one of the biggest bicycle brands, but mountain biking, they were still like maybe a little bit behind at that time. So for me, I was like, I moved from a brand that was like 
you know, when I was racing, I was getting some flow from another brand that was like really established in like the mountain bike and especially the free ride space. And then I moved over to Trek and it was kind of like the right people were there and I, and I, I got that feeling, but the, the, the product was still like needed to improve to catch up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but I, but that was like, I knew the right people were there. Like it was, it was just like a good time for them. And like within a couple of years, like their products became some of the best mountain bike products. And now like they're, you know, obviously still one of the biggest brands and still innovating and making some of the best stuff. So I'm like, so happy that I started, you know, when I, when I moved into the more like the free ride slope style mountain bike space that I started with them and like, you know, almost 20 years later, I'm it's crazy. still with them and, and, and like really happy about, you know, every day I got on my bike, I'm like, I ride the best bike. Like Sick. I couldn't ask for a better bike, you know? Um, and being able to, you know, also help out with, you know, developing bikes or giving them my mm-hmm. feedback and, and being a, that like a very minute part of like, people's experience when they get a new bike, like maybe something I, I, I was able to, um, give them that, that, you know, help the bike be more reliable or ride just a little better or something like, so I, it's, it's fun to be a part of that and, and have this really close relationship with a brand for so many years. And, um, so yeah, I'm super fortunate there. That's um, awesome. And it's, it's been a, it's been a crazy experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, damn, I didn't realize it was that long. You're coming up on almost 20 years. And the fact that you've been riding with the same brand for that long, it should say something, you know, there's a quality of the people that are attached to that. And it's not like you're being, you know, like, cause like that's really rare for an athlete to stick with something for that long. Cause the ebbs and flows of things, businesses and companies, especially with a, I mean, when I first got into mountain bike, I couldn't believe how expensive it was. That was the first thing I was like, <laughs> I can't believe that this thing costs this much. And, and um, but it's just because there's a small monopoly on it. It's, I could have got a full yeah. on dirt bike and totally, and had time in my life at the same time. I'm not using my legs and it's a different experience, obviously. And you can't really even compare the two in a lot of ways, in my opinion, having rid a little bit of mountain dirt bikes and then a lot of mountain bikes. But, um, the engineering was one thing I, I cause I, I love I'm similar to you in my mind. I love to understand how and why things work and why this material and, what's this geometry do and why is, why did this work better than that? And compression rates and, you know, um, just angles of the down of the, of the um, seat tube and, and all these kind of things, you know, and I, we, I, we talk about it a little bit of length as I sent you little sneak peeks of my time trial cycle that I'm building. And like, we're talking yeah, about like waxing chains and why that <laughs> things and marginal gains and like all of these little things, you know, and it's, in my mind and maybe it's just my shallow approach to these things but like and maybe not and it's cool to hear that from you is like when you get on your bike or you look at your bike if it gets you inspired or motivated and you want to just be a killer on it it's like that's that's almost the kick that you need sometimes to get up and go do it yeah and if you're riding like a a hoopty that sucks you're just like this whack (laughs) that doesn't help but if like I was telling my wife, like, cause I grew up with real humble beginnings. Everything that I've acquired was amassed through action and being able to be in this age in my life and being able to build the things that I can see in my mind and make it the style that I want is like, it's like nothing better. It's like full on design. You know, it's like totally. living and breathing the design. You do a lot of um, like collaborations with artists and stuff for like, 
I would consider, I guess you would say it's the livery for the bikes and stuff, the release and the feel of the bikes. Is that correct the term? Yep, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's great when you can align with an artist and you can, and you can put something down. Mm. Uh, a lot of the times it's just, it's, well, it's, it's still an artist, but working with the design team at Trek, like they have a crazy, uh, like, you know, essentially paint house in house. They do custom bikes, like even it's called project one, but like, yeah, project one, anyone can literally just go on their website and like design up their bike. You know, it's like wild. Um, but so essentially we do that with them, but we can throw crazy ideas at them and see what paint techniques they have. And, and they'll, they'll mock it up and we'll make some changes and then it'll go to paint and you'll get this crazy custom bike, which is pretty sick. But yeah, every once in a while I can, bring in um, some friends or some artists that inspire me and, and, and basically to help create that art that they can put down and, and, you know, throw it on the frame and make it this, this real living thing, which is, which is really special. Yeah. It's like a moment in your life with the work of art, almost like a, a literal frame of art, <laughs> which is pretty cool. No, it is. And it's, yeah. and they hold like, they really do hold like, like a period of time. Like yeah. I, I save all the bikes, like they're all up in my like shop. And it's like, that's awesome. It's funny to walk around, like even with like my friends or people that, that know mountain biking um, and they see the bike, they're like, Oh, that's the bike from this and this. And then, <laughs> oh, that's the bike that did this. And that's so you're like, cool. That bike literally has its own, like, it's like a journal entry. You know, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Mm. Um, so it's a smart yeah, thing. It's to like do. those things are like, they're, they're priceless, right? Like it's like the little bit of money you could get for that bike after I've ridden it. It's like, I'd rather just keep those memories. Cause those are, those are the memories. Those are like, it's like almost how I remember those moments too, you know, sure. just so much happens and you just easy to like, just like forget about it. Yeah. But then I go into the shop and I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot we did that. And that was yeah. It's like the bike reminds me of those like cool, special moments. Mm. Do you like to work and service your own bikes or do you not dabble with that too much? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm super into it. Like, I wish I had a little more time to do it. Like, I mean, I work on my bikes quite a bit, but even like on motorsports, I'm like, I don't really have time to just like hang out and work on the car, but I, oh, yeah. I would love to, yeah. to get better at there's that. There's a whole team like, for that. Yeah. <laughs> there's a whole team, but it's like, yeah. it's like a, during the event, like we still need to service the car. Oh yeah. Like, like when, when we, we aren't actually at service with the technicians, like there's things that we might have to fix quickly between stages so like oh, yeah. the more i can understand it the better and it's the same with the bike like you might be out there on a shoot like obviously bobby yeah bobby that's the, right, right. Yeah, yeah that's how we connected Pedal tech. um for breakfast I lo- yeah. yes so like i love bobby shout, shout out, out to bobby, bobby but yeah <laughs> came to the <laughs> rescue like that day. <laughs> came to the rescue like yeah. broke broke apart couldn't find the party brought the part and then i you know i had my I made like a little makeshift stand and I fixed my bike and we got back to shooting. So <laughs> like you kind of need to know how to do it. Yes. Um, and it's, I do enjoy it. It's, it's cool. Like I like being hands-on with it, whether it's like working on bikes or helping build the jump or, you know, helping collaborate with the filmmakers to create the project. Like it's, it's just nice to feel like connected to whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I think it's important, especially it's, just it's knowing the nuance sure. of it. Yeah. I had a I had a NSX at one point in my life, and um, we pull. And by we, I mean me and my friend Nick, who is the technician, and he we pulled apart the entire engine. And before we had done that, I would drive the wheels off that thing because I didn't 
I didn't think of all those things, but I tell you, it actually ruined my driving experience. Once we put it all back in there, I thought of all the thousands of little pieces because that engine's so complicated. And I was like, uh, whenever I'd redline it, I would be like, uh, <laughs> before yeah, like, I could just all the throttle that. Could go wrong. Yeah, it, it blows my mind that the, the, the tight tolerances of these things are so finite and so small and so microscopic that um, it's incredible all these moving pieces they actually come together and become this one piece. And it's, it's something that you can easily take for granted if you don't do it. And that's, I think uh, that's why I love the fixed gear riding. I love how simple and pure and clean it is because it, but uh, getting more into like, cause I just installed the wireless um, SRAM access system. Yep. Um, and it's so cool. Like it's the future in a lot of ways. <laughs> and I love that there's no cables and, and it's just a whole nother way of interacting with the bike now. And my, a lot of my friends that, I've shared these things with that aren't cyclists, but I'm like, yeah, it's wireless. And they're like, no way. I never heard You're of like, this. And this is the coolest. So yeah, yeah. clicking the button, it's making the little, oh, sound. it's the You're coolest. Like, yeah. And I'm like riding at that pace and I'm like, and there's no cables. And I, and as I'm clicking through the gears, I just know that it, it's just the, it's really cool. It's, and I love that yeah. engineering side of things and knowing that, somebody out there is thinking progressively and going, well, why are we using cables in 2023? Why don't we do away with all this extra stuff and make it smarter and use the technology of the day? And yeah. And that's been cool. And it's been really cool. Like Bobby and I've been a lot of time at this shop, like hanging out and just talking. And it's another reason to engage and meet new friends and have great conversations. And, and sometimes it's bigger than, the writing, of course, it's about life and your process through life. And I think that's why I love bikes. I feel like it's a metaphor for, for life in a lot of ways, this cycle of life, you know, I guess that's just my looking at it, but yeah, you, um, well, I would like to talk about working with Vermont motorsports. Is that what that's Subaru? Uh, Vermont sports car, sports car, sorry. Subaru, Subaru motorsports, Vermont sports car. This is the team. These are your sponsors. This is your race team that you're associated and race with, right? Totally. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I've always kind of been super passionate about motorsport, mm-hmm. especially uh, rally, like stage rally. So it basically stage it rally. Sorry, is, I don't like what, at what point did you see this or was it playing a video game or watching something? It was, happen? I mean, yeah, like obviously you play Mario Kart or something. Like, oh, it's cool drift. Yeah. <laughs> but no, mainly um, like where I, where I grew up, uh, British Columbia, a lot of forestry roads, like forestry is really, really big out here. Yeah. So we use the forestry roads to kind of access the mountain bike trails. Mm. Um, and then just kind of right. I lived, I grew up in Whistler, but like on either end of Whistler, there's Squamish and Pemberton, oh. which are only like a half hour away from Whistler mm. uh, each. And there was two like rally teams. So Subaru Canada team rally and or, um, team Canada rally, whatever. And then uh, there was like a privateer team in Pemberton, uh, but they were they're both quite competitive in in the Canadian Rally Championship, uh, and we'd be on the logging roads, and you just like you just come across a rally car, or you'd see them like you'd see a big dust trail up the mountain, and you'd hear the rally car. And, <laughs> so that's kind of like how I got introduced. How like, sick I really, is that? Like, I'm not, <laughs> I don't have a driver's license. Like I'm super young, you know. I'm like pedaling my bike up the hill <laughs> after school, kind of thing. Um, what an impression! But it was just like. But obviously, yeah, obviously, it's like a young loud. kid, you're like, that is cool. Like, yeah, you, yeah, you can't help but like want to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, so I, I got my license and then I had moved to Squamish 
Um, probably when I was like, I don't know, I was like 17, 18. I was like, I was like trying to move to Squamish. And then a friend of mine, when I was moving to Squamish, was like, oh, you should go by the rally shop. And I introduced me to the guys at the rally shop. And I pretty much like walked out of there with a rally car. Like I was like, <laughs> this is cool. Like I bought like, just like, like really like bone stock, like production car, but like ready to go. Like I could go to a race what was if I it? wanted to. It was a 2002 uh, WRX. Okay. Like bug bug eye. Eye. Yeah. Just, just black. Oh, black. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. black one and it was like it, it was motor? So, no it was just a stock wx motor mm. like stock everything but it just had it had suspension wheels tires skid plate okay and all the pro- it was caged with all the appropriate safety equipment oh so wow, it was okay. like yeah yeah pretty just get me going but like a good car mm-hmm. like you know those are pretty stout um, too and if you yeah, don't ever sure. boost them or mess it was with a them great chassis much, yeah Totally. Yeah. So it, and, and it did me well. Like I had that car for like a lot of years. Mm. Uh, I didn't race a ton, but it was like, I just kind of like figured it out. Like, you know, met the right people and were, mm. was like, got involved with like a small rally club in the area and, and, and went to some rally cross events and then went and did some stage rally events. And I do one or two events a year. And then it started to be like two or three or four or five. And, mm. And then I started to improve with the vehicle, like got into some faster cars and then, you know, it was, it was all this hobby passion and I would just like, just there's like a trend anything, here. even, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's similar to mountain biking where it's just and like, it turns this hobby into a passion, into a, a yeah. career. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, uh, I was, yeah, it was 10 years later, let's say, cause I started in about 2010 mm-hmm. and then in 2020, uh, there was an opportunity with Vermont sports car, mm. uh, Subaru Motorsports USA. So, so 10 years, it was, uh, it was a 10 year, 10 year. years apart. You're yeah. 10,000 hours. <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. That's very good way of putting it on the day. Um, and yeah, Travis was basically Pastrana. number one driver. Yeah. Pastrana yeah. was number one driver on the team and they kind of introduced me in as like driver two and, and like an upcoming you know, uh, younger driver that, that they saw potential in. So we, um, obviously had to deal with the, the, you know, the restrictions of COVID that year. So there was maybe only like a, like a half season, but it was still like a really amazing experience, you know, like getting familiar with the team, getting familiar with the car, um, which car was this? So we were, we're same car. We're still in currently. It's a, uh, basically a 2020 SPI mm-hmm. like rally full open class rally spec car. This was so the like, one Ken block you know, was driving, right? Same. Similar? So yeah, exactly. You did, you did the art for that one. Exact same car. Okay. Um, in 2021 Ken joined that kind of team. He was like his own outfit, but he was in the exact same car as us mm-hmm. and uh, basically had the same technicians and everything as well. So yeah, yeah. Support, same, support same car. Stuff. Yeah, Wicked so we're, we're in like a, yeah, it's amazing. And we're in a modified version of that car hmm. now for 2023 with like some real changes. And then they'll introduce a new car in a few events here, which is super exciting. Oh, okay, cool. Something um, on the horizon so, then. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Pretty, pretty rad. Yeah. Um, what did a yeah, dream been true then? So the when was, can you tell me again the year that you got the bug eye? When did you get the bug eye? 
2010. 2010. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So 2010, then all the way to 2020, and then and then doing it now, and then being a part of that. That's got to be pretty surreal. Because I watch your race yeah, footage, it's, and it's I'm just crazy, like, I don't man. know how Brand is doing this. And I, it's the same how I feel like <laughs> with anybody at racing, but. When I, I mean, when I, Ken would send me footage or I would see stuff of Ken doing it. And I've even been in his, uh, the Cosworth and it's really surreal. Yeah. It doesn't make much of any yeah. sense, honestly. No. Yeah. <laughs> how do you, yeah. how do and you, I, how do you juggle that? That again, I think it's, maybe it's the flow state that you've been used to with, but you, I don't know. Can you compare what you do on a bike to the car? Are they similar or different or how, how do you navigate that? I, I used to always say like they were anything alike. I was like, it's not, it's nothing alike. Yeah. But uh, the more and more I do it, I'm like, honestly, it's it's just really, it's just concentration. Like mm. once you've come to grips with the equipment and you're comfortable, you're kind of just maintaining the, the same concentration, whether it's mountain bike or rally car. Like mm. it's, it doesn't really feel any different other than that, like the actual mechanical, physical movements that, that make it happen. Mm. Um, but I, there, there was like kind of, I guess, like when I was rallying in the first 10 years, I never did it enough to be like always 100% confident in, in the car and the cars always changed and the, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't super good with the setup. And, you know, there's all things I'm learning, right? Yeah. So I'm like, it always felt different to me because it was like, it was foreign. I'd go from riding a bike, which is like fairly simple. If you think about it, you're standing there and you've got the brakes, <laughs> you know, and you, and you shift gears. Left. I love how simple so. you make it. <laughs> <laughs> but in a rally car, please, if you like haven't, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen what Brandon does on a bike, please stop and go and look at it. And the way he explains it's so hilarious. <laughs> I love that. Okay. But yeah, but, in the core me, of it. Yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. And I love that you can distill it like that, which is a, again, a proof to the brilliance of it. But, but yeah, but a car of course is so complicated. Yeah. Yeah. The gear shift, mm -hmm. you get the steering wheel, pedal, brakes, clutch. There's a lot of, oh, no clutch. yeah, a lot of, yeah, there'll, there'll be a clutch still. Oh, there'll be clutch, yeah, huh? But only just, but yeah, only to start the car or hairpins and stuff like that. But oh, okay. we use sequential, sequential, gearbox. yeah. I was gonna uh, say. So, yeah. yeah, so your flat shift, hard on brakes, downshift. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Do you do a lot of co driver practice as well? A little bit, mm. yeah. Mm. I, I try to, it, I don't feel like I learn from the sim, mm, okay. but it's a good way to stay fresh. Like, sure. go before an event just to feel the inputs of like using gas, brake, clutch, steering wheel, while listening to notes and looking at a line. And crazy. it's, it just kind of like, it just puts you back in that, that mindset of like, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a little refresh, but um, it's, a flow yeah, it's, state, it's nothing uh -huh. like getting in the car, the car, you just, you feel so much more. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Trying to, I'm trying to get in that state where you can concentrate for a long period of time. And you just, it feels like, easy you know you don't have to think about making the input you're just you're just doing it naturally so wild i'd also encourage everybody that's listening to this go watch brandon drive these cars it's really surreal <laughs> and that, in, in those videos you can kind of get a little sense because i think of the the, the 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 sound i think the sound has a real visceral quality but still it doesn't even you can't feel the lateral g and, and the pressure yeah, I remember when I was in the Kazi when Ken was driving it, and I think he was driving it pretty fast. I don't know if he was, I don't know what he was doing, but, but it was still. I yeah. think it was Recky, so it was shaking down the car, 
and we were doing, I would look over and see the speedometer and he was going like around 90 to a hundred. We we're going sideways through somebody's yard and it was just like, what the hell is happening here? It didn't make sense because I've never been sideways in a car going at that speed through somebody's totally. driveway or <laughs> through somebody's like area of their house. And yeah, and when I watch you guys drive and Travis and stuff, it's just so, it's amazing the level of true focus that it takes to really as you mentioned taking all the stimulus which is oh like left rear is drifting slightly as i'm entering but i know i need to articulate the counter steer here and well now i need to either let off or add into it or count like you know where is my rpm at am at the best place where the car needs to be so it's neutral it's crazy (laughs) it's really yeah, it's, there's, it's a thing. Yeah, there's a lot to take in, <laughs> and it, and it's just like it's just like so much seat time to get to that feeling where mm-hmm. you don't have to think about those little things anymore. Where like you just by instinct know what to what what you need to adjust at that moment mm-hmm. without having to be like break it down like oh no wait do I do this do I do this? <laughs> it's like no no you just you just do it. Yeah, because you can't but, think yeah, like it's, that because it's, it's too you have no. to almost like you said or we both, or I, maybe I suggested it, but it's a flow state because flow state, yeah. yeah, there's the only way to take in all that stimulus and receive it in real time to act upon it, to be progressively competitive. So <laughs> totally. Do you, but it's crazy what those cars can do. Oh, it's insane. Like obviously you got to experience it. And it's like, well, just the cause you, which I think in, is half of what yeah. your car is. I think in a lot of ways it's, it's older and it's different, but it's an older generation car. Yeah. I think it was still well engineered, but oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. not maybe not quite what we're in with super motorsports yeah but it's still it's still well engineered enough that like to experience that the first time like i remember getting in a car similar like with an experienced driver and being like oh <laughs> this is what you can do all right like the braking and like power cars is can, crazy and the transmission that those are the things that really blew me away is the control of the yeah. suspension the in the tra- it wasn't the power necessarily it was the control of the brake and the position of the suspension and being able to absorb yeah. so much at so such a fast rate, like sucking up everything and totally even and all that allows. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And all that allows you, it, it's like you said, it's not power. It's not like they're not the crazy most powerful cars ever, mm, but they don't need to be all those components allow you to carry so much momentum that it doesn't need to be powerful because you're always moving at a high speed. Like mm. you don't have to like, slow right down and then get back on the gas and get all your momentum back. You're just like, you're just carrying speed through the corner. It's so wild. (laughs) How are you feeling when it comes to your career as a driver now? What's your, are you, are you searching for something? Are you happy? Is there a part of yourself that you're desiring? Is there a racetrack or a course that you're really looking forward to or would love to someday race? Yeah, I think, um, (laughs) Yeah, totally. But it's good. It's, I mean, it is all kind of like all those thoughts go through my head all the time. And Mm. I'm definitely at like, uh, like I did it for, okay. The first 10 or so years, just kind of wanting to do it because I just really enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed motorsport and I, and I got to later enjoy like the culture of it. Like Mm. it was similar to mountain biking where like the, the people were really nice and, and, and I really enjoyed like the camaraderie even during the events and things like that. Like it was like, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it as a passion. So I want to be able to enjoy it. It wasn't like aggro race vibes from anyone. It was just like, <laughs> we're out here doing this crazy thing. I can't believe people let us do this. <laughs> and it's very um, expensive too. 
Yeah. Yeah, that too. Motorsports so is crazy you enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then as time went on and I and I got those opportunities with Subaru and I was able to like learn a lot from more experienced drivers and learn from the technicians and understand the car, like understand like a really, really proper high performance car more and get comfortable in it. Um, you know, I saw like my progression go a lot further. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm sort of actually like sounds weird but like i'm started starting to feel pretty good about like what i can do in the car mm. like, I, like i feel like i've i've actually kind of got it figured out like i'm doing the right things i'm not driving it terribly um <laughs> which is a nice which is a nice feeling because there's yeah. definitely times where it's it's easy to feel like you're blowing it yeah um or like someone, you know, you're, you're racing someone and they take a bunch of time out of you on a stage, but you don't know where that time went. It's like, now I feel like I can break down all those things a lot easier than I could, you know, even a couple of years ago. So mm. saying that, like, I would love to now feeling more confident overall with setting up a car, driving the car, working with a team, understanding the events you know, like being able to understand the notes and work with a co-driver. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be great to, you know, just more experiences. Like I feel like I've, I have so much room to learn yeah. still. Um, so and seat time is so hard to get it, to as well. Yeah. It's so expensive. That's really it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, ra- so like race time's time. expensive. Yeah. For everybody. Yeah. yeah. Which makes it difficult. And new experiences too, like mm. like being put in Different another terrain. situation where I'm 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 out of my element and mm. learning something from that which might help me overall as a driver. So mm-hmm. um yeah, like hopefully hopefully some new new experiences, new events, mm-hmm. new competitors, um, anything that just kind of throws a variable in there and like gives me an opportunity to or pushes me to learn, you know, and, and, and keep growing with it. Cause I, I'm really, I mean, I'm obviously enjoying it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Um, but uh, I still have a desire to, to take it a lot further. So beautiful. Um, it's awesome that yeah. you're able to do this again, taking something that you love and then turning it into something that it becomes a passion. That's a lifestyle almost in a sense it becomes a, yeah. um, and then it seems like you're still managing to still keep it fun and enjoy it. And that's also a rare thing too, to manage that totally. happiness and the fortitude of keeping that happiness somewhat contained yeah. in, a, in a good way. And that's cool to work with uh, and, and to drive with somebody as talented as Travis too, who's an, an absolute phenom of his generation too, an incredibly talented person, an incredibly competitive and driven human being. Yeah, <laughs> I've not met sure. him, but I've just heard stories and I've known I'm like one degree away from him in a lot of things, but yeah super talented dude and got to be a really interesting he's, person to learn amazing. from too. So yeah. Yeah. He, he's a, Shout he's an amazing Travis. human. I've, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I've been super fortunate to have him yeah. as a teammate. I mean, usually your teammates, your biggest competitor, but he's yeah. always been like crazy helpful for me. Like, yeah. especially early on, like helping to understand the car, helping to get familiar with the, with these, these uh, events and stages that he's done so many times and, and not really, you know, he was like fully wide open. Like we would, we would share in car and he would tell me how he would approach certain parts of the track and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it would always came down to like, I don't care if you know what I'm doing and I know what you're doing. Cause he's like, the racing happens on the, on the stage. Yeah, you know, yeah. he was like, he's like, I'm not trying to like, he's like, I'm not trying to play games. He's like, I want us both to be the fastest 
racers, but then, you know, we can separate ourselves <laughs> out there, you know, as yeah. like, a, yeah. So it was, it was, it was cool mentality because it, it helps the team too, oh, yeah. you know, like, I mean, Subaru is going to be the fastest team if, if we can, if we can work like that. And I, I mean, we had fun with it too, like the dollar stages and always trying to be like, there'd be times where it's like a crazy jump on the stage and we don't know if it's flat or not. And it would be like, you know, a game of chicken and who's going to take it flat and <laughs> things like that. But he, he kept it interesting and fun. So I'm, I'm, yeah, super, super appreciative for all the time that he's given me over at that team. That's awesome. That's really cool to hear. Do you have any interest in doing stuff with cars outside of that more in the form of like what Travis has been doing by, I don't know, like speculative speculators, not speculators, but like, like, like a rally cross scenario or uh, no, it's like taking out of the, the form of rally, but turning it into some form of entertainment, kind of like what you do with your mountain biking in a sense, like yeah, finding totally. the poetry of driving the car and what it means or whatever it might be. Or even just if it's a spectator thing where it's like you're doing things like, you know, like Ken, Ken took his love of skating and merged it with rally. And then Jim Connor was born that yeah. kind of thing, you know, so, totally, yeah. totally. No. And I, I definitely do like, I think just that like that stuff's always on my mind mm. anyways because of mountain biking yeah. and, and trying to think of cool ideas that could be performed outside of like a you know an event scenario or just a, a daily riding scenario mm-hmm. um so I, I think about it a lot i the ken obviously what he did is incredible like he opened up the doors for this like wild you know wild content that he produced for a decade mm. um or more and then Travis has also done the same thing, but in like a Travis way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like I would, I, I would like to do it, but I would, I could see it doing it like uh, your way in my personal way. Yeah. Which, which probably looks quite a bit different when what they've done. Good. Um, definitely not to say it. I don't know if I could hold a torch up to those guys because <laughs> some of the stuff they've done is just insane, but Most can't. Um, yeah. I definitely, yeah, exactly. I definitely have a desire to, um, to branch out like in uh yeah be able to do some fun stuff with a car that that isn't just racing and and get really creative with uh this whole new sport and whole new you know piece of equipment that is really nothing like mountain biking like you would you shoot it a lot a lot differently and yeah and um yes you you experience it differently too when you watch it so it's yeah they're they're totally different machines obviously and mechanisms i'm glad that you said they're they're totally different it'd be interesting if you said they're connected i wonder how that is but (laughs) yeah having having done a little bit of both and not even but like experiencing a little bit of both it's like oh these are so polarly differently but you know and that's what i think is interesting they require so much of you as the one doing the thing and so you being able to live these multiple lives, which is like a producer, a public figure, a mountain bike athlete, a professional rally car driver. It's like all these things, like the dualities of you is pretty interesting and how you split your time through all those things is fascinating. The last thing I would love to talk about with you is your love of photography. I really love your photography too. And I think that's another way that I think is a cool way for you to express yourself. What got you into photography? Um, I was like, maybe like around like 2015 or something where I was at a buddy's house. He's a filmmaker. He was like, he was like one of the like first filmmakers I started to work with. Is this Clay? Um, no, it was, it was 
this guy Taylor Sage, who, so when I saw you in Temecula, we were shooting. That was actually his property. He was filming. Oh, awesome. This is like the first time I've worked with him in years. But he he started working with a brand that I was really close with, and I did a lot of. Uh, they they they're you know my team manager was local, and so mm. um, yeah, he ended up being one of the filmmakers for that brand, and we ended up doing a lot of cool little trips and just random videos and things like that. But um, he was definitely, yeah, like one of the, like I was pretty young still at this time. So he was like one of the first filmmakers where I was really like got to experience that like really collaborative, like, okay, where are we going? What are we shooting? What's the idea? And creating the content and kind of, yeah, that was like, I would say my first real experience at it mm-hmm. um, was with 2015? him. And then- yeah. Well, so that was, that's like, this is way earlier than that. This is like, let's say 2008. Okay. Yeah. You know, this is when you started to get engaged uh, with photography and the power of what it can do. And well, not photography, but when I started working with him, but then, but then, yeah, like another later, you know, maybe closer to 2015, I was, I was with Sage and we were just camera we were doing, but he's obviously a filmmaker and he takes photos and he's super into film and he had like all these film cameras and he just, he kept giving me like film cameras just to like shoot random stuff on this like trip we were doing. That's cool. And I got kind of, I got super into it. And by the end he could like, I think he could tell that I was like <laughs> getting super into it. I love that. Um, well, and he just gave me a, he's like, oh, here, take this film camera and some film. Mm. What, and I was like, okay, what a, cool. what a great friend. Yeah, I know. I was like, this is wicked. <laughs> and then I just never put it down. Mm. And, Do you remember what that, body like, that was and what lens combination that was? Yeah. So it was, um, it was an Olympus OMP one or om1 it's an omt yeah i think it was olympus om whatever one it was like the original like slr and it had a 50 mil mm. 1.4 on oh, it oh great and i was it was like it was like the perfect great just, combo. Like, yeah yeah throw it in your backpack camera yeah i was like this is awesome fantastic lens too. and uh totally mm. and uh um, closest to the human eye supposedly 35 to Exactly. Depending on sensor size, of course, too. So it's kind of like he's taking your human eye and just putting it out to the world. Yeah, you're trying to capture these these actual moments that you're seeing and putting it down. Because um, if he gave you like a microphone so size and a fisheye, be like, oh <laughs> shit! <Totally. laughs> so everything looks crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but around that time, I had actually started like a personal production company. Like that's when I really started to just like not be connected to brands or bigger production companies. And I was just doing my own thing with another filmmaker. Um, but for me, I was like, I had a desire already to start to understand like the process and like, like understanding how to expose and like what could be accomplished with the camera, like not just understanding the rotting portion of it. Like I could picture that, but I had a hard time picturing like the videography side and the photography side. And mm-hmm. So when he gave me that camera, I was like, oh, I get it. You know, like I can see how you can compose things and like what light works, what light doesn't, or what this light does compared to that light. And, and that was really helping me like being a, feel like more more of a, like a collaborator. Like I could, I could actually offer something on the creative side Great. than just being like, hey, I'm going to do this trick and I think it looks cool from like a, <laughs> three quarter angle, you know? Um, so then it it helped me start to come up with concepts of like, Oh, like we should try and shoot at this time and get this crazy, whatever it is, flare, use these lights or 
uh, I don't know, and, and mesh these shots. However, just like, it just gave me more ideas and like concepts and things we could do. And, and it wasn't, it didn't always have to be about the riding and the next best trick. It could be like, you know, riding that I'm pretty stoked on, but like a really cool concept that like puts it in a different light. It makes it feel like a new experience. Um, so then that, I just got really into photography because of that. Um, it was more just gaining an understanding. And then I, I just never put the camera down. Like I still, I still love it. Yeah. That's cool. Cause you are able to bring it with you and then you share it and the world gets to see how you operate through your lens. And even if it's just a moment, it's still, it's, and it's also wonderful to have, I always, I find it to be one of the most rewarding artistic endeavors that I've ever done because it, it allows you, I, I, I almost consider it my religion. Um, when I'm out there and I'm capturing nature for the most part, because for me, nature is the biggest inspiration always is and always will be. And I'm just humbled by how incredibly beautiful it can be, especially if you're aware of it and I'm in the moment, but then capturing it through the right lens, the right time, the right system. You just like, Oh my goodness. Like I'm witnessing a miracle here and it's nothing, there's nothing quite like that power, that feeling that you get when you're that connected to it. And, um, it's fascinating because also if you consider how the lens is built, it's similar to the human eye too. that way it dilates yeah. and the way it, the iris forms and stuff. It's, it's like a reinterpretation of us through a physical mechanical form, which is again, really interesting and a big symbolism again of everything else too. And then capturing that moment <laughs> and saying, look, you might see the world like this, but this is literally how I see it. And like, Whoa, totally. look at this moment I was in, you know, like, I love yeah. sharing moments of photography with fellow photographers too, because it's like, um, you get so inspired. You're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like the way you There's saw that's so beautiful. Yeah. Or that's really yeah. interesting. I never even thought of it. When I was growing up, I never, I didn't see the value and importance of photography as much as I do now, I think, by doing it a lot more. Um, but I still, there's sometimes I look at a photograph and I go, this does nothing for me. And then sometimes it's like, there, there's so much in here and I just get, you know, swept into it. So, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. It makes sense that you do. No, it's, it's, it's super cool. And, and like those, when you do kind of get that, that, uh, photo, you know, there's the, that moment where it's like, you take the photo and it's like instantly like an aha, mm -hmm. like yeah, I captured that, like, that was like what I wanted. And I was, that was the moment or like, I just realized something that could be captured, mm -hmm. you know, like it's like, it almost opens up the door for like more ideas and, and like the next step, uh, the next progression of what it could be. And yes, um, it's, it's really cool. Well, it's crawling too, but I, I still shoot a lot of, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I still shoot a lot of film though. Mm. I, 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 like I have a hard time shooting the digital, oh, yeah. like just my digital camera. Like I, I have a digital camera that I travel with everywhere, but mm. I find like if I have a film camera, I'll shoot it way more because mm. I get so obsessive with the digital camera <laughs> that I'm like, define I obsessive. Can, I can keep, I can like, I can keep picking apart the image like i'll be like oh i want to go shoot this i saw this this thing over here and i'm going to go take a snap of it and in my head it's like this is going to be like a two-minute thing i'm going to go over here get the photo and walk away <laughs> but then i sit there and i like i dissect it i dissect it and i just like mm. at the end of the day i'm like it's almost like when i have a film camera i, I take like i'll take two slides mm. you know just to make sure i got it mm. and then that's it i walk away like, i don't <laughs> i don't think about it anymore because like the, the rest of the day I could think about that photo. I'm like, oh crap, I should have done that. <laughs> Interesting. You know? So like the yeah. design of film being this thing that it actually isn't infinite 
because you do have an allotted amount of film to be able to use yeah. basically it makes it more of a focus then so you can't yeah i think a lot of i noticed that too in myself and other photographers is that the difference between film and digital and there's always this battle i don't give a crap either way but uh that digital is so it, it's temporary and that that sense you can fire a lot and the way i look at it is and yeah. actually all of my bodies track the amount of frames that I've captured and I have them quantified. And I, <laughs> yeah. I've almost shot about 30,000 photographs now, which I love because that's crazy. Yeah. Cause I love that because when I go to shoot, I'm, I think what I'm, and every photographer discovers this as you go through it. And it's almost like a purpose of life. At least that's how I look at it. Everything's a metaphor again, how I look at it. But as I capture these things, I'm literally just trying to distill the moment of feeling. Okay, what am I trying to? Yeah. And how do I explain this to somebody? And I always think that there's two photographers for me. It's like the person that's there, the human being that's there in the moment of time that will never happen before and after that moment. It's just that that moment. And then when I bring it back into the computer and I grade it, I'm trying to grade it based on the emotion of what I felt of the memory. Yeah, totally. That's a totally different thing too, which I love. I love grading too. I written, didn't realize there's yeah. this whole other side of love the second photographer back home, the developer. Like, yeah. Actually bringing it to life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, you'd see it be like, okay, yeah, this is it. This is how it's supposed to look. Yeah. Or maybe when you shot, it, it was like the sky was more of like an emerald green when you capture it. But then when you come in the computer, you're like, ah, oh, based on how I felt, it was more of in the bluish tone and shifting right. it and that feeling. And then pushing that emotion to the photo through the colors and the way it's exposed and the composition. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's such a fascinating thing. I learned so much from just failing with photography and shooting those 30,000 plus. And then the ratio gets smaller of failure because you you know, but then you've, then that's another thing I get caught. caught I, when I, when my wife and I last went to Europe for two weeks, I brought one body and one lens the whole time I shot the whole thing. And that's rare for me. Usually I'll switch lenses and try different things. But this time I was like, I'm going to be strict. And it was a 50 mil 1.8 anamorphic uh, lens. And so I shot anamorphically a 1.8 squeeze. It was fun though. It was like 50 mil and I had to move myself through the world to capture the crop that I wanted. But yeah, it was fun. It was, it'll force you to look at things differently as well. Totally. Like I find like when you have the lenses, all the lenses, you're like, you're, you're just going to go to what you would naturally think about. But if you're stuck with a lens and you've got to make it work, then you start to look at things differently. And all of a sudden you're like, you know what, actually I kind of like this more like, you get some other ideas. Yeah. Were you telling me about the Spike Jones stuff or were we talking about that? I think we were talking about that. Yeah. yeah. Did you tell me about uh, the Spike Jones? Just a podcast? Uh, he had, I think that Vice did a documentary on him. Maybe Ian mentioned Oh that. yeah, the Vice documentary. Did right? you mention that to me? I can't remember. Yeah. I watched it and I, I loved we, it. You, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Was it, maybe I sent it to you. I can't remember. but um, I think you sent you sent it to me. Okay. But I had watched that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's incredible. I love his yeah. process because he seems... I don't know. I can't say we're related in the same way, but I feel like we're all possessed by something. And yeah. then he got into photography. And then, I mean, the guy's so insanely prolific. <laughs> it's like this career is insanely amazing. But how people were articulating how he saw skateboarding because he was so intimately connected to it and how he would capture it. Um, I think that's uh, when I distilled down what we talked about in so many ways, a lot of it is the act of doing and the act of being present, the act of genuinely engaging with the thing that you're doing. 
and how much you garner and learn and gain from life by going through that pure experience of life, you know? Totally. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. Like I think he started as a photographer. Mm-hmm. I believe that was, yeah. But he was like, he was shooting BMX stuff and like, mm-hmm. and then it like moved to skate. And, yeah. But it's, it's cool to see like his, his creativeness, like pass through all that and just keep kind of climbing Savage. towards what he's done now. It's, it's, it's incredible. And then also, but his passion to keep coming back to like, skate and and these like kind of jackass type (laughs) productions or it's like it's so like loose and opposite of like the commercial world but him just throwing like amazing creative ideas and opening up you know opening up the doors in 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 the the sports and action world with to like hey you can do this stuff too and and mingle it with you know it doesn't have to be your standard skate video all the time or whatever, whatever he, he comes up with. It's, it's just impressive. So impressive. I mean, it's so crazy that we almost wash over the fact that he filmed and directed being John Malkovich and her. And it's like, my goodness, man, I think adaptation as well. It's like, these are seminal cinematography, like seminal films, you know, um, in American culture, which is crazy. But anyways, I think there's all these similarities and there's a lot of really cool stuff that I've garnered from like learning about him and, and seeing what you're doing and then the focus of film and the difference of digital and film. And yeah, I find them, I think as long as you're just present in the moment doing it, that's my opinion is like you're capturing the yeah. essence. And then and I do a lot of, I don't know if you're the same, but I take a lot of photographs just for me too. There's certain parts of my art that I, I feel like I don't want to, it's not ruins, not the right word, but like, I like to keep it insular and like, Oh, these is, that was a moment for me. And just me only, yeah. <laughs> like a selfish thing. I'm I'm <laughs> very much like that. Like I would say, I don't know, 99% of the images I take just live on a folder in my computer, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't ever really do anything with them, but it, mm. it, it's more of like a, it's an experience and a little learning process every time that I'm like shooting and, and getting the images back and, and kind of like personally dissecting what I've done or what I've done you know wrong or right or anything like it's just kind of yeah and then again like digital camera I usually I, mean, I kind of walk up to say the subject and then I'm just like kind of shooting right away mm. and that's tough for me mm. whereas like film I'm like I have to be like okay I'm already like kind of getting exposure and everything set up and then I'm thinking about the photo way more and then I take the one or two images I'm going to take and I walk away mm-hmm. and then later when I get the 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 you know develop film back then i can kind of like dissect what i've done and then i'll take what i learned into the next roll of film but yeah mm-hmm. i'm like i'm not really shooting it because i need to put it out anywhere i'm just shooting it because i wanted i saw a moment and i want to capture it mm-hmm. and i want to learn from it and then yeah like most of it just sits on a folder so it's yeah if if i was a photographer it'd be a different story but it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's more just for me anyways i think that's where it should be a lot i think too i think photography when it turns into a profession can then be jeopardize in a lot of way i like to try like yeah. it's like when i take photos and i share it with a lot of my friends and they're like oh you should make a book and this and i'm like but to me it's like i don't want to do that i'm just i want to show you how i see the world in a simple form and just make it free and just yeah. of course maybe someday but yeah i think that's a really beautiful approach i have not shot film since i was like really young and i have not since then it seems like a completely different approach when you're mentioning that i'm thinking about like Stanley Kubrick, when he was coming up as a filmmaker, he obviously started on film because digital wasn't really a thing, of course, when his career started. 
Um, but back when he was taking photographs for like magazines in New York, I think and articles and stuff, he would. And I love the idea that you're just, it's, it's like you can't really capture the rawness of the moment happening at the moment moment because unless you're really fast and know your tools super quickly. But, but if you're sitting there meditating on it, I guess this is a different approach. I never really thought of it like that. I'd like to someday do it. I know it's quite a bit more expensive, so I'd have to think about the different approach to it. Yeah, so, yeah. And if I did it, I really, there's this one camera I would love to get. It shoots um, double frame. So it's like... Oh, yeah. It's like the panoramic. Yeah. That's like... The, I, I don't know what it is. I see things like Hasselblad that. Hasselblad has an insane one. That one's really expensive. So there's really a cheaper nice one. one. Olympus has one, I think. There's a cheaper yeah. one. <laughs> I can't yeah, remember yeah. the name. There's a there's this YouTuber that's awesome. He makes incredible stuff and he did a really rad breakdown. But anytime these guys do that, the camera prices like skyrocket. So I'm like, ah, I know. F. <laughs> but yeah, those, those cameras are really cool. And mm. like, again, it's giving you this crazy aspect you wouldn't normally shoot with digital. Yeah. Um, but it can create like, like you can bring in the environment really cool. Like uh, obviously it's all application based, but yeah, yeah, there's, there's some pretty amazing photography from, from those cameras. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just fun. And I feel like the film, like you never really can like put your finger on like, because it's film. I mean, the dynamic range is great and that's one reason I love it. But then also you can't really put your finger on like when it was ever shot Mm. because it's already, it already has like the nostalgia to (laughs) it. True. Whereas like digital, I feel like you can always kind of figure out or like generally you would like know what year it was shot, but like film always just feels like it could be any time. Yeah. Which is kind of, I never thought of it like that. Yeah. Because there is so many different distilled qualities to what makes film so special, mainly the, the uh, dynamic range because film exposes with such a bigger range than digital. It's getting closer now every day. It's getting a little closer. It is. is, Um, I'd say, um, Still, my point-and-shoot camera isn't even close to the dynamic range yet, but I, the newest ones are coming out. I'm like, mm, it's pretty cool. But then it's, it's also it's when digital is so crisp and perfect, it really ruins the texture of things. But I've been—I yeah. think we've talked about this. I've been employing <laughs> a lot of things to dissect, and like even when I'm looking at my camera here, it's like I have—I think I have not on this one, but I usually put like a Pro Mist filter on it to diffuse the harsh edge of yeah. a, of the highlights and things like that little tricks but then it's like you bake it inside of the the image and so you got to be okay with that but when it's digital you just you know so i remember one time Go talking to larry it. chen and yeah. he was saying he has like some sort of like 500 terabytes worth of photographs or something like that's insanity dude the amount of guy the amount of photographs yeah. that guy wow. takes is just like spraying everywhere it's crazy but everybody has a different approach too and he's also like such a machine monster that he captures so much stuff such a content machine he's always working oh yeah Yeah. he's one of the very few i don't it's hard to find somebody that works as hard as larry he's a very unique human being (laughs) savage guy but um dude it's been amazing to talk with you get to know you more and i really do love and appreciate your complete openness and uh your dynamic flow of conversation has been outstanding and wonderful and such a fan as you know i'm such a fan of what you do and um yeah thank you for being a part of the podcast and this little time capsule hopefully we can you've enjoyed your time and yeah if there's anything else that you wanted to mention or say um yeah let me know but um, we can always do this anytime as well but yeah for sure it's been no i i really appreciate it it's uh you know obviously i'm uh very honored to be on here and also a big fan of your work as well it's it's been uh, again i draw my inspiration from a lot of things and and you've been one of those dudes where i'm just like 
also enamored by uh, what you create. So it, it's cool to to catch up a little more. I know we got to hang out um, just briefly for that one breakfast. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a treat to, to dive a little deeper and mm. yeah, dig into things. Amazing. Bless. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, keep rocking. Have a wonderful day and be safe out there. <laughs> yeah, man. For sure. And keep making yeah. your epic art. <laughs> Thank you.